is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, let's do this, Winnipeg. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Playoff Game Day Edition before Game 2 tonight between your Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights. Another late start tonight. Get your afternoon nap in after WST because the puck's going to drop just after 9 p.m. tonight as the Jets look to double down and come back from Sin City up 2-0 if they can get a win tonight. Should be a big test, though. We'll hear from Bruce Cassidy and the Vegas Golden Knights a little later on. Not pleased with the um, events of game number one, and we'll look for a big push back from the home team tonight. But as we talked about yesterday, Pretty hard to uh, not feel good if you're in the Winnipeg Jets camp right now with the way the team played in game number one. We do have a lot to get to from last night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then, of course, focus in on tonight's game two. Really looking forward to having Ken Weeb join us in the second hour of the program. Jets are on the ice right now. Ken will join us in an hour or so from Vegas with his thoughts on uh, certainly the series as well as what he's seen today at practice and uh, what the Winnipeg Jets and coach Rick Bonus had to say about tonight's game two. And before that, in the first hour, really looking forward to bringing on our pal Drew Mendel from Illegal Curb Hockey. Of course, the IC guys all year long have been doing a killer job right after the final buzzer firing up the Illegal Curve post-game show. And much like us right now with the excitement and intrigue over this playoff run for the Winnipeg Jets, have had massive, massive numbers on their YouTube channel. Make sure to jump on with them right after the game finishes tonight. We'll get Drew's thoughts on where the Jets are right now heading into game two, the game number one performance, and what needs to continue to happen if they hope to make it on to round number two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, Drew, Ken, lots of audio from both the Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights. We are packed for the next couple hours. Just before I bring in Michael Remus, a big thank you to the sponsors that make this show possible every day. Cool Bet Canada. By the way, big lock shop today and big lock shop winner yesterday with our exclusives. We've got another one for you tonight. Check out today's lock shop over on the YouTube channel at Lock Shop Bets or Search Lock Shop wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply. We will be heading over to Consolidated Supply right after the show. Big grand opening over at 1395 Niagara Road East. Looking forward to seeing the fellas there. Royal Sports, Boston Pizza. BPs will be packed tonight for the game, I'm sure. Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, and the great taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club, and um, lots of ammo for our why not question of the day today for not Autocorp over, over at Waverly and McGilvery. Let's get Remus in here and get this game day show on the road. What's going on, dude? Getting fired up, just counting down till tonight, but also wondering us, like, what's going on outside here? I walked out with my son today. He goes, I thought it was spring. What's all this uh, white stuff here? The weather knew that a whiteout was coming and <laughs> blessing us with some wonderful snow on the ground here in Winnipeg on April 20. Yeesh. You know what? Like I said yesterday, still on such a high from game one. Yeah, just don't care. Don't even care. <laughs> don't even care. It can't dent anything right now. Um, and as I said, yeah. it is it is somewhat funny. And as I said, maybe 
it is a little bit prophetic about the whiteout coming back. Um, I, I am so excited for Saturday, as I'm sure many of you are. Three o'clock puck drop. And uh, as I mentioned yesterday, if you have tickets to the game, get there early. Uh, obviously, they've got the beer specials before the games and stuff. I'm sure people will be taking advantage of that on Saturday. Um, but there is nothing like being in the building, in the seats, almost full, in white, for when the teams come out for warm-up. And ah, listen, I'm the last one. I almost never get to warm-up or in my seats for warm-up during the regular season. The playoffs are different, though. And I think that the atmosphere around and inside the building is going to be cranked up to 11 far before puck drop. Um, and I don't think there's a more intimidating scene in the National Hockey League for visitors when they come out in warm-up to a nearly full building of people going bananas. And I can't imagine how uh, how much of a boost that is to the home team. So if you are going to the game on Saturday or Monday, for that matter, make a point of uh, getting there a little early and being there to welcome the Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights to the ice when the warm-up gets going coming up uh, coming up um, you know on the uh, on the weekend. Uh, but yeah, as far as the snow goes, who cares? We got playoff hockey to worry about and it's whiteout season in Winnipeg. So if Mother Nature wants to get in, involved in it, on it, letter, we'll deal with it and we'll be there on Saturday and Monday to see what happens in this first round best of 7 series between the Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um let's just quickly hit last night, um, you know, as people roll in here and we get ready. Of course, we'll break it down with Drew and we'll uh, hear from the Winnipeg Jets from yesterday. And, of course, morning skate going on. I guess we should quickly hit that right away. Um, Mike McIntyre, Ken, Marat, all there right now. And it does look like uh, Morgan Barron's going to be good to go tonight. He he got the, as Rick Bonus said, a well-deserved day off yesterday. And from the sounds of it, they were quite worried that, you know, there might be a lot of swelling and aftermath of the injury, but sounds like it was pretty much the best case scenario. So he's got the bucket back on, the full cage bear out there today. Um, and Morgan Barron, who uh, became a bit of a legend yesterday or uh, Tuesday night, coming back after the 75-stitch gash to his head from the skate of Laurent Brassois, um, will be in the... Uh, will be in uh, in there tonight. And uh, as you can see there as well, Remo, a bit of an update as to uh, what's up with Nikolai Ehlers. And as I suggested yesterday, considering the win and only a 48-hour turnaround, I wasn't expecting Nikolai Ehlers to play tonight. Um, that was just a hunch based on nothing other than, you know, the timing involved and the fact that the Jets did get that first win. And doesn't look like Nikolai Ehlers is out on the ice with his teammates today for the morning skate. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of wild how this Ehlers has gone. I mean, Ken was on here was the last week saying that he would play. Ehlers saying he's going to play. Bonus going, no, 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 day-to-day, day-to-day to him not being lineup. He did practice on the top power play a couple days ago even. But yesterday, he was just on the ice, and he was skating in Morgan Barron's spot with Lowry and Appleton. Barron given the day off, of course, after receiving 75 Stitches. So, and you know, yesterday Ehlers didn't practice on the power play either, which he had in the past and still not played. So, I think yesterday we kind of got the hint hey, Ehlers not going to be in the lineup. And I get that. I mean, they won without him. Uh, if he's not healthy, you don't feel as much pressure to rush him back. And yesterday, other guys who didn't skate, Stanlin and Pionk, um, they are out there today. And Stanlin, um, he was day to day up in, in, in 
played uh, in the game. And Pionk, again, maintenance day yesterday, and he's on the ice. Mike McIntyre also reporting Ehlers did not skate, which we already said, but also not on the ice for today's optional. And we'll hear more from Ken, I'm sure, just maintenance. No Dubois, no Lowry, uh, Nemestikov, Connor, Schmidt, and Brandon Dillon also not skating. And Cole Perfetti still in a non-contact jersey. And I do wonder when Perfetti, was it last week they said 7 to 10 days? Or is that, is that this week? Um, I think the second week of the playoffs, you know, maybe we'll, we'll take off the red jersey. So we're we're kind of on Perfetti watch more and more as the series goes on. But Morgan Barron, who was on TMZ, was on PTI, was on Pat McAfee, like international, international superstar. That was the viral moment of the playoffs. 75 stitches. Um, he's in. And actually, I'll, I will say, you and Sean had a great discussion. I loved your question to Sean yesterday, saying, you know what, because Sean was hosting the broadcast on TV. He's like, how did you get the information on the 75 stitches? And he really took us behind the scenes, how it worked, and how the Jets PR tipped them off. Okay, he's coming back on soon. And they wanted to have, like, by God, it's Morgan Barron's music as he, he <laughs> stepped on. And you also asked him about showing the replay, which... Some people in our chat and our comments and you as well said it was very difficult to watch his face get shoved into Lauren Brossois' skate. So check out um, yesterday's interview with Sean on the podcast or the live stream or I just clipped that section in our videos uh, portion here on YouTube. Uh, so shout out to Sean for that appearance yesterday. Yeah, and by the way, I got to give credit to Remo, my partner here, the CTO, because, you know, I, oh. I, I joke that when we started this out, Remo spent, you know, I kind of figured out how this was going to work and get some sponsors and get the content ready. And Remo went to the University of YouTube for three weeks to figure out how the hell we were going to make this work. Did a great job of doing that. But he's now graduated to a special level of YouTube excellence because when I saw him post the video of the uh, conversation about the Baron injury, the full-fledged, like, this is right there, 75 stitches? I mean, who's not going to click on that? Come on, <laughs> you got the intro. So, anyways, well done, Remus. Um, uh, and that is there. If uh, for, I mean, listen, yesterday's show was massive. I assume most of you probably were with us, but if you did miss it, um, you can go. This is a standalone. We've also tweeted it out, uh, and feel free to boost it on your social channels for people that might not have seen it. Um, and by the way, speaking of this, I mean, with the huge shows, and we're already over four hundred, like right off the top of the show today. Um, yesterday we were over eight for the majority of it. There are a lot of new people in. Welcome to everyone that maybe has just recently found us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're two years in. We're banging this out every day, Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock p.m. Central. Um, and if you haven't already, if you just stumbled upon us, hit that red subscribe button. Uh, join us. If you're not able to join us live, it'll be there in your um, in your subscribed materials whenever you jump on YouTube. And, of course, you can also get us on audio podcasts, wherever you get your favorite podcast, just search Winnipeg Sports Talk. But if you are here with us on YouTube, do us a favor and hit that thumbs up as well. It helps us spread the channel and uh, and move that on. All right, we are going to be all over the Jets for the majority of this program, but a couple things I wanted to get to right off the bat, Reem, um, coming out of last night in the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs and a couple of very important Big bounce-back games by teams that had lost on home ice in game number one. And uh, the Oilers didn't make it easy for themselves. I mean, they were all over the Kings in the first period last night. I don't think the Kings got their first shot until after 15 minutes into the game, and it was already 2 nothing for Edmonton. 
Um, but as LA seems to always do, they don't go away. They come back. And I think there was some nervous, nervous people in Edmonton going into the third period with that game at 2-2. Clem Costin scored on what was, I mean, hey, pucks on net, right? I mean, it wasn't a particularly dangerous chance. It was surprising that I went on on Corpusalo considering the saves that he had made. Uh, but the Oilers were able to hold it down for the rest of the way. Stuart Skinner backstopping the Oilers and Evander Kane getting an empty netter. And the Oilers win 4-2, a game that they absolutely had to have before heading to uh, Tinseltown for games three and four. Yeah, you knew an Oilers bounce back was coming. They had played uh, really well, but fell apart at the end. And part of it, too, was they kept taking penalties and the Kings were scoring when they had the power play. Now, the Oilers you know, did take more penalties than the Kings yesterday. Four of them, you know, four power play chances, but the Kings went 0 for 4. Meanwhile, the Oilers, we know they have the best power play uh, of all time, Hustler, in the regular season. It's Last insane. year, they went, they, uh, they went 1 for 1. That's facts right there. Did the, Doing the math. And if you talk about McDavid held off the score sheet, um, it was the Leon Dreisaitl performance getting that, uh, that second goal. Uh, but yes, McDavid did get on the board there, and Dreisaitl assisted on the first one uh, by Derek Ryan. So um, the Oilers, man, they outshot the Kings. They outplayed them in game one, but didn't win. So I think, you know, look, if you lose, you don't want to go down 0-2, but I think the Oilers have shown they're the better team than the Kings after two games, but it's going to be up to them to, you know, play the full 60 minutes. They almost let the Kings back in again. Like, Kings aren't going away. They're, they're I agree, they're a tough team. They got some good players, but there's a path here for the Oilers to take this one, and they go back to L.A. now. Well, uh, um, it, it's funny you mentioned the Oilers power play because I just finished up the lock shop, and um, for folks that maybe haven't seen it, my partner on the lock shop is Dustin Nielsen, who, of course, does the TSN Morning Show in Edmonton and covers the Oilers very closely. And uh, he dropped this nugget that in the series, the Kings have had 15, or 16 minutes of power play time and the Oilers of four. And I pointed out, well, I guess you could put it that way, but when the Oilers score 15 seconds into every power play they get, I'm not sure power play time is really the number that we should be looking at. Um, <laughs> it is absolutely lethal, though, right now. Um, and the one thing you can't do is spend much time in the penalty box. And overall, I think the Kings have done a relatively good job of that. But um, uh, nice win for Edmonton. That series is at 1-1. And, um, I mean, the other series that is tied up at 1-1 from last night is the, well, there's a couple actually, but the one that uh, I think I've spent most of my time watching was this Dallas-Minnesota game. Rupee hints with the hat trick, monster game in the absence of Joe Pavelski. But maybe the biggest story in the league last night was Dean Evason galaxy-braining himself, shades of Bob Murdoch in 1990 for the Winnipeg Jets, going with the goaltender rotation in the playoffs. Philip Gustafson goes in, stands on his head, sets a record for saves in a game, longest game in Minnesota Wild history, and really put the team on his back and held them in and allowed them to win that game. He gets the bench. They go with Marc-Andre Fleury, who gets lit up to the tune of seven goals against. Um, I, I still can't believe they went away from Gustafson. That... 20, 30 years ago, maybe coaches do that. I think they've learned the error of their ways, not in Minnesota. And that just reeked of a veteran guy that, you know, you promised to start, that sort of, you know, deserved to start, you know, based on his hierarchy with the team. But to me, it made absolutely no sense. And to be honest, it completely blew up in 
Dean Evison's face because the Wild did get back into the game. They scored, what, 11 seconds apart? We're back to 4-3 in the game. And then another one right after that, and the um, Dallas Stars were off to the races. You think Dean Evison was afraid of Alan Walsh tweeting out a picture of <laughs> Flurry <laughs> with a sword in his back with Evison on the sword? Like, um, I, You look at their numbers this season. I know Marc-Andre Fleury's Hall of Fame goalie. He's been to Stanley Cup Finals, won Stanley Cups, you know, played in big games. But you look at his numbers this year, and to be honest, they're not terrible. 908 save percentage, 285 um, goals against. But you look at Gustafson's numbers, 210 goals against, 931 save percentage. And you look at goals saved above expected. Gustafson's seventh in the league, despite playing way less games than uh, Vasilevsky, Shosturkin, Hellebuck, who are ahead of him, Sorokin. I mean, this guy has had... Uh, elite, elite numbers. So I don't know how you don't go Gustin, especially after their performance in game one. So I agree with the Galaxy range, just way overthinking. I know they rotated during the regular season, but this is playoffs. This is where you need to win. Every game is a must win, and uh, I don't think you're giving yourself the best chance to win when you're playing Marc-Andre Fleury ahead of Gustafson. You know, sorry. Well, I- and, and yeah. let me just say this, and I kind of mentioned that Bob Murdoch. It did, you know, I was a little triggered. Take me back to 1990. Um, you know, you're not old enough to probably remember this, but for some reason, Bob Murdoch deciding that in a series that they were up three to one, it'd be a good idea just to keep on rotating the goaltenders after the monster season Bob Asenza had. Beauregard going in for game five and game seven, and wasn't necessarily the goaltending. I think that was the Jets' demise in that, but. You got to have your best guy out there. And Philip Gustafson is very clearly the best guy for the Minnesota Wild right now. And he didn't get the start. He'll be in there in game three. And I have a feeling um, that unless it goes very poorly for the Wild in game three, logic would dictate that maybe you give the kid another start in game number four. Uh, Speaking of goaltenders, just before we get back to uh, the rest of the action from last night, Reem, it does sound like it will be Lauren Brassois back in net for Bruce Cassidy. Doesn't sound like they're going to change anything other than, well, from Bruce Cassidy's perspective, hopefully the way that they play. Um, But no lineup change is expected, and I think that would mean that uh, Lauren Brassois gets another crack at his old club tonight. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really blame him for you know the goals against uh, or for the you know, loss. Um, he's the guy. He thought I think there was a chance here. You know, very small. Maybe they go to the veteran John Quick. But yeah, I see Sinbin Vegas, who we had on uh, Ken, who we had on earlier this week, saying first off the ice he'll go to game two. So go back to him. I think he was solid. Although there were a couple times where you know, the puck was bouncing around and there for the taking. You know, the Baron in the Baron shot where he cut his face was one but there was another one Appleton um you know shot I think from the side and kind of stopped and it was sitting there I mean there were other chances I saw there was one well, the backhand goal was uh, yeah. I mean listen it was awesome that it went in from a Jets perspective but I mean put it this way if that went in uh against the Jets say that was Connor Hellebuck you'd be going like man how does that one get through that that's not one that normally does and I get it there was a bunch of traffic but a backhander from the slot going through the legs was, um, listen, LB could be a lot better. Hopefully he won't be tonight. But the thing about this, and again, we'll get into this with Drew and with Ken. You couldn't help but feel that the Jets really have the book on the Renbrassois, at least know, given their opportunities, where they have the best chance of scoring. 
um, because they were shooting a high blocker side right from the second the first period started. If they had the opportunity to sort of pick where the shot was going, that's where they're going. And uh, of course, I mean, the first couple goals um, right in that spot, particularly Dubois ripper to make it two nothing early in the second period. Yeah, but even still, like they probably know you have video. Like they, they got good coaches. They would know like who a goalie are they going to put in quick. Like they would know where to go on him. So I think mean, the fact maybe just shoot on quick. Yeah, the fact that they practiced <laughs> with Brossois and like he's on their team, yeah, I probably know a bit more. But I think they have the book on every, on every goalie. Like they have video out there. This isn't you know 1990 where you're passing around. VHS tapes with a marker label saying, okay, here's the clips of the goalie. Like they got iPads where you can search for every single play. So <laughs> I don't know. I think Brossois is their best guy. He gives them the best chance to win. And like, are we, I don't even know if we're going to see like some of their other goalies in this series, if it's Hill or, or quick. I mean, we'll have to see what happens. Oh, I love it because that probably yeah. means things aren't going well for the Vegas Golden yeah. Knights. Brass balls, Blake. I heard PLD's chirp to LB was high blocker side all night long. Um, <laughs> I'll say that. But anyways, we'll have that and we'll hear from the Jets in just a couple minutes. But more from last night. Reem, I, I really did think that one of the two teams that lost on the road, the underdogs were going to win last night between the Islanders and the Florida Panthers. I ended up picking the Islanders. They got absolutely jobbed. Um, that game went to overtime 3-3. If you missed it, Scott Mayfield taking a wild high stick in the face goes down. Unbelievably, it was ignored. Uh, and the Hurricanes player went right around the Islander defenseman on the ground holding his face. The next thing you know, the puck was in the net. Carolina's up to nothing. And adding insult to injury for Islander fans last night was the fact that there was the missed call on the goal, and the power plays for the game were six for Carolina and a zero for New York. Yeah, that tie stick, and then you got to control your stick, and the refs didn't call it. A lot of, you know, the refing, as much as the players, under a microscope, and every call and non-call going to be evaluated. So, I mean, tough break for the Islanders, but huge win for Carolina going up 2-0, scoring in overtime, and it seemed like um, the Islanders... Storm back to tie it and what even take the lead before uh, Jacob Slavin scored uh, the tying goal in the third period. But another loss for Carolina here, where Uvo Teravainen broke his hand after being slashed by JG Pajot, which wasn't called a penalty. Um, that was not one of the six penalties yeah, that, that the Islanders got. <laughs> that was not one of them. So that's a tell. I so Carolina, they're now down Max Pacioretty, uh, uh, Andrei Svechnikov. And two of Toronto. It's basically basically a full line for a team that many thought was a cup contender. It's going to be a bit harder now for Carolina, but hopefully they can weather the storm because the right storm storm surge. Storm and, surge. I see what you did right? there. And uh, and take the Islanders. So I don't know how long Teravine's going to be. But what Ryan O'Reilly had a broken hand. He's out like for like a month. So maybe he would come back if they go deep, but. Uh, not ideal. Oh, Mike McIntyre just tweeted out a picture of Morgan Barron's face. You want to see this picture? Yeah, fire yeah. it up. I'm sure this is him in the in the post game. It. Wow, get re- get ready for this. Holy crap! Here it is. Whoa! Is that, that too zoomed in? Is gnarly. <laughs> Did I? Should we put like not safe for work? Sorry, podcast listeners are showing NSFW. Yeah. We're showing, Mor- 
Morgan Barron um, doing a post game or post practice scrum. Huge cut from what the middle of his forehead to below his eye. He's also got a black eye as well. Um, look at the stitch work on that, huh? Some professional surgeons there. It's like a straight fish fish hook, and then obviously like the deep gash right into the to the right of his eye had layers of stitching inside it. Um, hey, legendary performance. The full cage bear is gonna be back prowling for the uh for the Winnipeg Jets tonight and um <clears throat> everyone talked about it how inspiring it was for the Jets to see their teammate come back after getting that sort of work on him and it was funny my pal Johnny Viking who I was watching the game with said at the time it looked like he got attacked by a shark and then Adam Lowry said the exact same thing after uh after the game yesterday so uh that is some pretty uh some pretty good work by the uh, the folks behind the scenes there in Vegas. I'm not sure whether that was the Vegas doctor or uh, who did the stitches, but um, bottom line is they uh, took care of Morgan Barron. He was back out on the ice and helped his team win a huge game one, and they'll look to do it again game two. Um, just wrapping up last night's action, though, from uh, the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, Paul Maurice, Florida Panthers ream. Who had that one? As I said, I kind of was leaning on the Islanders. They didn't get it done, but Florida did. Big, big win last night at the Garden in Boston. And uh, now the Florida Panthers have home ice advantage going back to South Florida for games three and four. I still think the Boston Bruins win this series, but um, much like Jack Hand said, this could be a very difficult series for Boston. And um, Florida not going to be an easy out. And that's a huge, huge win for the Cats. Yeah, huge win. Matthew Kachuk, I th this uh, trade for them is working out, I think, Pretty well, even if they didn't have to give, you know, even if they had to give up a lot. But I mean, he's having a, one of the top seasons in the league, and there he was uh, recording two assists. And oh yeah, getting in uh, the face of the opponent. The video of him going around chirping with Thomas Nosek after he elbowed Eric Stahl in the head. No penalty and no discipline on that play. And I know supplementary discipline is going to be a topic uh, throughout the playoffs, and it has been um, for you know, suspensions or suspensions not handed out. You're through the first round. But, yeah, we thought Florida was going to be a tough out. I think they had a lot of injuries during the season. Um, you know, they had such a great year last year. Took a step back, but were able to manage to get into the playoffs. But how about this Alex Lyon, Hus, who's uh, he was pretty good in game one, game two yesterday, stopped 34 of 37, and they're tied 1-1. And, you know, Boston's going to try to hang on. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, injury update on him. Uh, what, he missed the first two games, and... They wouldn't commit to him going on the plane for game three. So that's something to watch for Boston. I mean, one of their top top players there. So uh, storylines here, the Bruins and Panthers. Everything's everything's up with the Panthers after uh, Aaron Ekblad and Brooks Kepka squashed their beef after Kepka was holding a pylon in a suite, calling him a traffic cone. And then Brooks blowing his four-shot lead at the Masters. Um, I think there's a lot to lot to that as well. Anyways, we do have audio from the Jets, <clears throat> but we'll wait because Drew Mandel from Illegal Curve is jumping on with us in just a second. Really looking forward to having Drew, and of course hearing Drew and the fellas right after puck drop tonight with another edition of the Illegal Curve post-game show. Um, just before we do that, got to give a big thanks and Welcome to one of our newest sponsors, Modern Man Barber Shops. Now with eight locations in Winnipeg. Visit their newest locations, either on Pemina Highway, right by Bishop Grandin, 
or on the east side over on Plessy Road, but a total of eight now around the city, somewhere convenient for you. And Modern Man Barbershop offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look and make an appointment online at modernmanbarber.com. And uh, give them a follow on Instagram as well while you're at it, at modernmanbarbershops. Uh, I know there's snow coming. I know it's playoff season right now, but summer is just around the corner. Why don't you make 2023 the year you take the plunge and visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that can suit you for an amazing pool from the leaders when it comes to in-ground pools here in Manitoba. And Aquatech does a whole lot more, including home renovations with thousands of renos as their foundation. Let them upgrade any space in your home. Make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options today at aqua-tech.ca. The Jets battery was ready to go on game number one. We hope it's there again for game number two. And Manitoba battery is always ready for you. Whether you need a battery for your car, your truck, or that summer toy you're working on, Manitoba Battery is the most convenient and well-priced option in the city, and they'll bring it to you. Order a battery at lunchtime or by the start of WST, and they'll have it on your doorstep in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in the city on the same battery. No more fighting for a parking spot at Costco or waiting in line at Canadian Tire. Shop local and let Manitoba Battery the bring, bring the battery to you at the best prices in town. You can give Donnie and his staff a call to order at 204-783-8787. Order online at manitobabattery.com, or you can always pop by and see them in person at 1026 Logan Avenue. And just before we bring in Drew, uh, big shout out to Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and proud sponsors of us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Canadian Club and Ginger Ale, big hit at the Bomber Games in last summer. It's back and it's available now in 473 milliliter cans at Liquor Marts, but also at beer vendors. If you don't see it, ask for it. And we're counting down the days because uh, we can enjoy a few of those CC and Gingers at IG Field watching the blue and gold. Pick up Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. <clears throat> All right. A little IC after dark plan for tonight after game two. What a crew. I mean, we've had huge shows. I mean, it was bananas in the IC chat after the game and for good reason after the way the Jets played in game number one. Let's welcome in the host of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and the post-game, Drew Mandel. Drew, what's up, man? Great to have you on the show. It's my pleasure to be here, Haas, as always. Thanks, brother. Nice to see you. you nice too. to see Remo as well. Yeah, yeah. Ah, listen, you're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> you're, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we're going to get to tonight's game in a minute, but, um, you know, you have watched every game this season. I mean, we've had the ups and downs of this year, um, which have been great highs, some really deep lows, uh, a steadying, I would say, in the last 10 games to get back mm-hmm. in. But who could have possibly imagined? I mean, I, I, do you agree? I mean, that's the best game I've seen the Winnipeg Jets played this year. And you may have to go back seasons for a performance like we saw in Vegas on Tuesday night. No question about it. That was the, in my books, that was their best performance of the year, especially with the stakes. Of course, the stakes being, you know, the first playoff game. So the stakes are always going to be uh, at its highest once playoffs begin. But Hus, this is a team, the Jets, we've seen them give up 17 shots in half a period. 
Never mind uh, an entire game. It's unheard of for this Jets team to only give up 17 shots in in, in 60 minutes. Uh, that was the most impressive part for me is just how dominant they were uh, at five on five, how dominant they were uh, on the penalty kill, and just how they suffocated the life out of Vegas. I didn't really think they had that in them, but now I'm interested in seeing what they do for a follow-up performance after what, as I agree with you, was their best performance of the season so far. Well, and, and, and you know, we, um, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about Dubois and Lowry's monster performances in the forwards, but I mean, the blue line, which at times, I mean, much like the team had some highs. I mean, Morrissey was all world for the majority of the season, Yep. You couldn't say the same about the majority of the rest of the defense core. Neil Pionk had some, you know, horrible games, some bad giveaways. Mm-hmm. He, he Pionk to me came around in a huge way in the last month of the season and was far better, was more confident, and bottom line wasn't making those mistakes in their own end that often ended up turning him around. Yeah. But Dylan I, I... Sandberg in his first playoff game, Nate Schmidt as well. Um I mean, to me, it really, in a lot of ways, started with the blue line and their ability to get the puck, make that pass, and get it out of their zone um, and take care of a Vegas forecheck, which is sort of the the core of what they do to teams in the other end. Yeah, no question about it. I thought, you know, the first six to eight minutes of the game, Vegas was really hard on the forecheck, and they, they forced a couple of turnovers, and the Jets' D was maybe a little bit on their heels. But after that sequence, the Jets were just simple with their game and effective with their game, and it started particularly on the back end. I agree wholeheartedly. So, you know, the first few minutes, as you'd expect, the adrenaline pumping, the building rocking, you know, Vegas maybe was a was a half a step quicker, a quarter a step quicker, and, and, and they were forechecking hard on the Jets' defense. But after that, the Jets said, settled in and and one through six they all played a solid simple game and that's what you need to see them doing i mean that you know uh look i can't speak highly enough about what they did uh in game one now the question is now that the pressure you know usually the more desperate team shows up so which you know vegas has obviously got more desperation now uh than the jets do entering tonight's game so we'll be interesting to see how the jets respond but right now Based on the performance on Tuesday night, there's no question the Jets are playing with a ton of confidence, and they're saying there's no reason why this Vegas Golden Knights team, despite being uh, you know the top team in the conference, there's no reason why we can't win this series simply because of the way we played on Tuesday night. We can play with them, and we were better than them, so let's just keep it going. That's got to be the message in the Jets' dressing room, uh, that they just can continue to play like they did on Tuesday, and they should be fine. Drew Mandel of Illegal Curve with us. Drew, um, for all the great things that the Jets did, I was really surprised at the lack of response, especially in the third period from the Vegas Golden Knights. What did you make of what Vegas did and didn't do compared to, frankly, being one of the most consistent teams all year despite not having Mark Stone, despite having a carousel of goaltenders? This was a 109-point team. They didn't look like it on Tuesday. I, I think they were shell-shocked a little bit. I, I think that they thought that playing against the Jets was going to be not easy in the result is going to be easy, but that the Jets were going to be too loose with their coverages, were going to be too loose with their positioning. They thought, I think, that the Jets were going to be a up-and-down game, back and forth, and that it would play into the hands of Vegas. The Jets made Vegas play the Jets game. And I don't know the last time, really, that the Jets have been able to say that this year. And Vegas wasn't prepared for it. Jack Eichel 
This is his first playoff game, as has been well documented. I, I don't think that he stepped up in a significant manner. I think that he was regular season Jack Eichel, not realizing that come playoff time, everything's a little bit harder. And you probably don't necessarily know that in you know entering game one. You can say the right things. You can talk about that. But until you're actually there and until you can actually understand that it's that much more difficult to get anything done that you want to get done, you can't experience it. You can't understand what you have to do in order to be successful. And that's why I think uh, you know Vegas was just sort of uh, comatose in that third period. The Jets did suck the life out of them, and Vegas had no response for it. So maybe in that instance, you know, it, it, you know, that to me was was a tremendous factor. I mean, that's a close game. That's a two-one game entering the third period, and the Jets just absolutely controlled the entirety of the period. They didn't get Vegas anything. Two shots against in the entirety of the third period when they're chasing the game. A remarkable performance by the Jets. But, of course, tonight, brand new game. What have you done for me lately? No, exactly. I mean, yeah, the two shots against was the most stunning number, and you're exactly right. I mean, you look at the final score, 5-1, and it was two shots. You might think that it was 4-1 going into the third. Right. Far from it. I mean, they had scored that late goal, and, you know, we talked about this somewhat yesterday, but I, I'm sure you'll want to uh, – pop in on this i mean we talk about the foundations of this hockey team's success connor hellebuck's right there mm -hmm. i can't say enough about this penalty killing unit i mean this penalty killing unit you know through the ups and downs of this entire regular season was the one constant that rick bonus and scott arneal credit who handles that group really relied on and a couple of key PKs, especially the one on a very iffy call on Shifley at 2-1 with three minutes left in the uh, in the second period. Sure. To me, in a lot of ways, I thought set the tone for the Winnipeg Jets being prepared to hang in there for another 20 minutes. And, you know, to their credit, they built off that at the beginning of the second. They got that goal from Wheeler and just never looked back. But... I mean, we'll talk a lot about Adam Lowry and what he's bringing to the team. He's doing a lot of other things right now. But, man, that penalty kill has been so crucial in any success the Jets have had. And I thought it was a big, big part of the win on Tuesday as well. There's no question. I mean, look, the penalty kill for the Jets has been one of the bright spots all season long. And it, you should, you saw it on, on Tuesday night. Vegas's power play has struggled. So you have an exceptional uh, penalty kill going up against the struggling power play. And the Jets, again, they just controlled uh, when they were shorthanded. You talk about the Shifley one where he gets called and the Jets don't give up anything. Then there's the too many men on the ice penalty, you know, late in the third period. You know, Vegas scores there. You know, if they score, you know, in, during that man advantage, well, then you got a, probably a chaotic final three minutes of the game or chaotic final four minutes of the game. Instead, what happens is the Jets don't give them anything. They don't even give them the opportunity to set up, basically. And you could just see Vegas getting increasingly frustrated um, by the, you know, by the situation. I, I thought Bruce Cassidy erred, and it was a coaching mistake, in not going six on four when the Jets took that too many men on the ice penalty. I saw no downside at that point in time from, from the Vegas perspective. You're down two goals. There's five minutes to play in the game, basically. Go six on four. Why aren't you doing that? Change it up. Add a little bit, you know, a little bit of pressure to the Jets on the penalty kill. Uh, I don't understand that coaching decision uh, by Bruce Cassidy. And, you know, then it just uh, the power play did nothing for Vegas, and the Jets will say, okay, all we did is we killed two minutes more of this game. We increased our 
our confidence. We continued the momentum. And now you look like a shell-shocked group for the final three minutes of the game. The fact that Vegas didn't push at all, like they didn't have one push during the final third period, it speaks volumes about what the Jets did to them on Tuesday night. Yeah, and, and you know, you uh, brought up Jack Eichel and his performance in his first playoff game. I mean, to me, I think that's the guy that they really need more from right now because I'm not sure how much more they can get from Mark Stone. Um, I know there was a lot of talk about them Kucheroving the cap and everything. This was different. I mean, this guy's coming back from another back surgery. He looked like a guy as good as he is that hadn't played since early January. Yeah, look, Mark Stone is a great hockey player. We know that. But it takes time to get back into game shape and everything else. So, I mean, you know, if this wasn't the playoffs, I'm curious if Mark Stone would even be in the lineup, to be perfectly honest. He, he's, he's not going to be able to be a fully healthy Mark Stone because of the fact he's missed so much time. I mean, we remember when Ehlers came back to the lineup, how long it took him to sort of get that feel back underneath him. To expect Mark Stone to come back in and immediately carry the team isn't really realistic. Vegas needs more from Jack Eichel. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois sort of treated him like a, like a bit of a child, you know, on the, uh, on the Connor goal, sort of throwing Eichel out of the way and setting up Connor there. Eichel needs to be better for Vegas if they want to succeed. But because to accept expect Mark Stone to be able to be that driver who single-handedly carries the team is probably not realistic. Jack Eichel has lived his entire NHL career for this moment, for getting the opportunity to play come playoff time. And he didn't, uh, he didn't do himself any favors with his performance on Tuesday night. So he's the guy I'm keeping a very close eye on uh, for tonight's game, especially early in the game, because we know Vegas is one of the best first period teams in the league. When they get a lead in the first period, when they're winning after 20 minutes, they're hard to beat. They obviously weren't winning after 20 minutes on Tuesday, it being a zero zero. I'm expecting Vegas to come out, uh, try and come out as fast and as hard as they can to take that early lead tonight because if they don't the doubts are going to continue to creep into their into their minds and the Jets are playing like a very confident hockey team yeah well and and, and you know Eichel's got his work cut out for him because uh, and again Bruce Cassidy I'm sure will try and get him away from Adam Lowry and Pierre-Luc mm-hmm. Dubois um, mm-hmm. but pick your poison I mean both <laughs> of those both of those guys and I mean, I really think, and I've been talking about it for the last month, I mean, going back to the Nashville game or maybe even the Ed, the Edmonton game at home when Adam Lowry finally broke that goal-scoring streak, yeah. he's been one of the best players on this team. And, and when the team was re- still really struggling, the tying goal in Nashville, uh, the winner in uh, Arizona, the winner in Anaheim, um, Adam Lowry reestablished himself as a real difference maker in so many different ways, and he was there. But the guy that stood out to me, especially when we're speaking about Eichel, was Dubois and what a problem he was for Eichel. And, I mean, the perfect example of that was the goal that got the Jets started. Kyle Connor early in the second period. I mean, Dubois just sort of pushing Eichel off him, using his body position um, to control the puck, getting it deep and making a beautiful pass to Kyle Connor, and it was on from there. And, I mean, who knows what the future of Pierre-Luc Dubois is here in Winnipeg long-term, but right now, that guy we saw on Tuesday night, that was the guy that Kevin Cheveldayoff was hoping to get when they made that trade a few years ago. Yeah, look, he was Pierre-Luc the Beast. That, that's who he was on Tuesday night. He, he saw Jack Eichel, he sees that matchup, and I think he's thinking, hey, I got some fresh meat here that I can take a, take a bite <laughs> out of. 
you know, th- that's how he played. He played like, you know, Jack Eichel, you think you're a superstar? You think you're going to be able to do, you know, walk all over our, uh, this Jets team? Well, you know, this is what it takes to win in the playoffs. And I'm a bigger man than you are. I'm a stronger man than you are. Yeah, you might be able to outskill me, you know, not by a dramatic margin, but Jack Eichel is a fantastically talented player, as we all know. But I think that Pierre-Luc Dubois relished that matchup and relished suffocating Eichel in game one. Now the question, of course, is can he do it for the remainder of the series that is you know does jack eichel find a way to step up or is jack eichel another notch in pierre luke dubois belt sort of like you know austin matthews was a number of years ago when the blue jackets shocked the maple leafs back in uh, that was the bubble wasn't it? i think my brain has been melted together but uh you know i, I think pierre luke dubois relishes these matchups and relishes being able to shut down these superstar players uh, Drew Mandel of Illegal Curve with us. Make sure to check the fellas out right after the uh, final buzzer tonight on uh, the Illegal Curve YouTube channel. Um, what did you make about the, this Ehlers situation? Ehlers saying that he's playing, and uh, now we know why Rick Bonus was pumping the brakes um, <laughs> because he hadn't been cleared yet by the doctors, and I appreciate Ehlers saying that he's going to go and doing everything he can to play. Um, I'm not surprised he wasn't skating this morning. I certainly took that if the doctors weren't clearing him then and the team had won that first game, you maybe have a little bit more cushion to try to get him as close to 100% so that something more doesn't happen. Because I think one thing that we know, a player like Nikolai Ehlers is going to draw quite a bit of focus and physicality from other teams once we get to the playoffs. No question. This is the equivalent of a, a football player having his helmet taken away from him. Yeah, I'm good. I'm healthy. I'll get back in there. I want to go tackle somebody. But the doctors have to step in. So, I mean, look, the doctors, uh, the uh, Jets obviously want Nikolai Ehlers in the lineup, but you have to defer to what the, the medical people are saying. And sometimes the medical people are going to err on the side of caution, um, you know, and, and not let the player go out there and do any more long-term harm to them and so you have to you know it's a disappointment but you wonder you know another day off another couple days off whenever he can get to that healthy point he's obviously not going to be a hundred percent nobody is this time of year but as soon as he's healthy he'll be able to be back in the lineup but it's going to come down to medical science and it's going to come down to the doctor saying yes you're now good to go you can't do any more damage you can't do any more long-term damage to whatever the injury is at the moment. So, you know, the Jets are going to be that much more dynamic if and when he returns to the lineup. But having that one-game cushion, uh, winning that game on Tuesday night certainly uh, prevents you from having to, uh, you know, sort of rush him back into the lineup uh, quicker than you thought because the Jets played a very good game uh, on Tuesday night 1 through 12 among the forward group and 1 through 6 on the back end. They made it so that Connor Hellebuck, who everyone's saying, well, if the Jets are going to win, it's got to be Hellebuck stealing the series. Well, Connor Hellebuck you know, played well on Tuesday night, but he certainly wasn't tested. If there's going to be a game that he's going to steal, uh, and there probably will be because we've seen him do it so often, it certainly didn't have to be game one for the Jets. Well, tonight would be a... Tonight would be a perfect, <laughs> perfect time to maybe steal one if he needed to do it. And the one thing I'll say about Hellebuck, um, he announced himself ready in that first six, seven minutes. As you mentioned, the Vegas forecheck was on. There was that point mm-hmm. blank um, opportunity for Howden where he made that big save. And yeah. at that point, um, I think the Jets had that confidence that he was there and, and ran with it. Not the same situation on the other side. Um, Laurent Brassois did not have a great game. No. What do you make of the matchup with Brassois being in? 
just the fact that he's going up against a team of guys that shot on him every single day for two seasons. Look, I mean, you know, if you ask Brassois and he said, oh, I have the book on these guys, I know where they're going to go. And the Jets guys would say, well, we have the book on him because we know how he's going to defend. Look, these guys all do pre-scouts. These guys have watched all the tape. You know, I, I don't buy that, you know, that, you know, unless the goalie is brand new and has never been seen before, like uh, Karel Vimelka uh, a couple years ago <laughs> when he came in here and, and, and the Jets uh, are SK's like, SK's going to lose it in the chat now that you mentioned Vimelka. <laughs> Sorry, but you know, you know, the Jets think that they have the book on on, on Brassois. Brassois thinks he's got the book on the Jets. It comes down to execution. Which guy, which player is going to execute better? Who's going to have the better shot? I mean, I didn't think Brassois was in bad position on the Pierre Luc Dubois goal. The shot was just better than the goaltending effort right there. It happens. I mean, the third goal is obviously an ugly one. Uh, the backhand by Wheeler is sort of shades of uh, Braden Point's goal on Ilya Samsonov uh, in the Toronto. Tampa Bay series, two sort of backhands along the ice that squeak through a goaltender. Uh, you know, that's not a great goal, but you know, I don't think that one team is going to have, uh, you know, that the shooters are going to have the advantage on the goalie or the goalie is going to have the advantage on the shooters. It's who can execute better. And with all due respect to Laurent Poissois, there's a reason why for the majority of his career, he's been a backup goaltender. Look, he's been a great story for Vegas, but I'm pretty sure that deep down, Connor Hellebuck, you know, in the lead up to game one, was probably a little bit sick of hearing about Laurent Brassois. Yes, he had played well down the stretch for Vegas. Yes, that's tremendous. But, you know, Connor Hellebuck is Connor Hellebuck and has done it for years now for the Winnipeg Jets. Laurent Brassois went on a very nice run for the Golden Knights. He played well when he was a member of the Jets, but he's by and large been a backup goaltender for a reason and Connor Hellebuck is a perennial Vesna candidate for a reason so I'm pretty sure uh, Hellebuck was all too happy to say okay we've heard just about enough of you and the Jets players were all too happy to say okay we've heard enough about how great you've been Lauren Brassois we're gonna go make you prove it again come playoff time uh, Drew, man, this has been great to have you on the program. I'm looking forward to seeing you and the fellas fired up. Hopefully this is a, a raucous and a happy chat room as you had yes. on Tuesday night with the huge numbers as uh, all of us are enjoying all the hype and excitement around the team. Just before we go, stepping away from the Jets, I am interested in what do you think happens tonight between the Leafs and the Lightning? I'll tell you one thing for sure, Huss. It was a hell of a lot easier for me and for Dave and for Ezzy to root against the Leafs when Richard didn't work for the team. You know, when, you, when, you're, when your buddy you know, is a pro scout for the Leafs and you want to support your friends, it's a, you know, it makes it really difficult. It's very selfish of him, if you ask me, that he, still, that, that, he, that he took that job. You know, he can't take the same level of schadenfreude. I think Toronto wins tonight. If they don't win tonight, then I think the series is a quick and painful one. Uh, I just can't see them, given the Tampa Bay injuries and everything else, uh, it's hard for me to believe that Toronto's going to lose both games on home ice. But they looked so awful on, on, on Tuesday night in game one that I say that with not a lot of confidence. Tampa Bay, you know, is like, I'm sure they started the series saying, oh, we're the underdog. Aren't we the you know, the three-time Stanley Cup representative out of the Eastern Conference. We're the underdog against the team that has won all of nothing come playoff time. Tampa Bay was, I'm sure, relishing that and saying, okay, underestimate us as, you, uh, you know, as much as you want, but we'll be there. But now the injury bug is biting them. And so it's curious to see who's going to be playing on the back end for Tampa Bay tonight. Uh, 
They need Hedman to play. He's obviously a game-time decision. Chernak isn't going to be in there after he took that terrible hit. Um, you know, Tanner Janot apparently might be playing. So it, it's going to be fun, even if it's just for the car crash spectator uh, <laughs> aspect of it all. No doubt about it, Drew. This has been awesome. And uh, I mean, I think most people are very familiar with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, uh, Saturday mornings, and of course the post game. But I think there are a lot of new people that are finding our channel and yours right now. So just give a quick plug on what you and the fellas are going to be up to right after the game. By the way, their YouTube link is in the description of this show. So you can go find it and subscribe. But uh, tee up tonight's post game after game two. Yeah, so after game two tonight, whenever the game ends, be it uh, you know, around 11.45 p.m. Uh, Central Time or if it's going to go into overtime, whenever the puck enters the net, we'll be doing the Illegal Curve post-game show. We do it after each and every Jets game. We did it all 82 regular season games. We'll do it tonight as well and then after all the playoff games as well. And then again, Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, 9 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We've been doing that for years as well. Basically, it's, you know, Jets talk, Jets talk, Jets talk, getting you set up. Uh, we're recapping tonight's game two, getting you set up for game three on Saturday morning. And then, of course, Saturday after game three we'll do the post game show all over again and illegalcurve.com your one-stop shop for all your winnipeg jets news and audio and moose news and audio and ice news and audio all the time available at illegalcurve.com beauty dude thanks for jumping on get a nap in because it could be a late one for you guys tonight (laughs) appreciate it as always anytime Haas. thanks very much for having me Good stuff. There's Drew Mandel again. I see tonight right after the game uh, heading into uh, Kenny and Rennie. And uh, Ken Weeb's going to join us in uh, just a couple minutes from Vegas where the Jets have just finished their pregame skate. Just seeing that Jesse Granger reporting uh, Lorraine Brassois, first goalie off, expected to be the starter again for the Winnipeg or for the Vegas Golden Knights tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. Um Folks, just before we bring in Ken and get to some audio, Bruce Cassidy as well as Rick Bonus, who's just spoken in the last little while. Uh, if you're looking for great prices at natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too, you need to stop at one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or check them out online at myvita.ca with local delivery available. Uh, have you had your healthy fats today, gang? Yes, there is such a thing. Omega-3 fatty acids are beneficial for your skin, brain, joint, and heart health. That's where Health First Omega Supreme comes in. Get your healthy fats the easy way with this one-a-day soft gel. Health First Omega Supreme is on sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market. Pop down and see them at one of seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Check them out online at myvita.ca. Well, we do have one more Wallace and Wallace unsung hero to give out this year. What a great program that has been working with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey, the Winnipeg Jets. But it's back to work now with the snow melting, albeit we may have to have another melting of snow. Um, but if you've got needs for fencing or overhead doors, Wallace and Wallace has been the specialist and the leader in the industry since 1946, serving residential and commercial customers. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, they've got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if you need to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors, as well as service, repair, and maintenance. 
You can give them a call at 204-452-2700. The Wallace and Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. Visit them online at wallacefences.com. You can also pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking, fellas, as we get into spring and summer? Menswear game ready to go? Well, if it's not, you need to go see Andrew and the team down at F Apparel. Up your menswear game heading to spring and summer with F Apparel with custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party this summer, don't waste your money renting tuxes or anything like that. Get suits at F Apparel. 15% discount when the wedding party gets their suits from F. And if you've got a 2023 high school grad, get the young man a new suit to move on to the next chapter of his life. And F will hook him up with a free custom shirt and tie valued at about 150 bucks. 190 Smith Street downtown is where F Apparel is. And you can also make an appointment or check them out online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. Uh, you might have to wait till Friday for a victory blizzard after the game tonight at one of the Nick and Nicky DQs if the Jets can pull this off. Um, unfortunately, I think we're going to get our own blizzard, not the kind that we like from Nick and Nicky tonight with potentially 20 centimeters of snow. But as I say, who cares? You can't dent the vibe around here after game number one. But if you want the best in ice cream treats, delicious blizzards, amazing burgers, and more, get on down to one of four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. And you can also hit them up at DQ Manitoba on Instagram if you want to get a custom DQ ice cream or blizzard cake for maybe a watch party or your next event. Um, all right. Well, Kenny looks like he's ready to go. Um, so we can bring Ken in right now. We do have Bruce Cassidy, uh, a number of uh, lots of audio from the uh, from the Jets from uh, yesterday as well as today. And Rick Bonus speaking a little earlier. Uh, but with Ken locked, loaded, and ready to go right after the Winnipeg Jets morning skate, let's go out to the beautiful T-Mobile Arena right now and welcome in our good friend, Weeb's World himself, Ken Weeb, who's uh, joining us now from the rink. Weeber, what is up? How's Sin City treating you? Good afternoon, Huss. Uh, great to be with you as always. Uh, day 11, day 10 of this road trip so far. Yeah, started you never in came home, did you? No, uh, with the uh, pains in when it comes to the travel uh, from places like Denver, Colorado, uh, came straight here rather than flying flying all day uh, flying all day home for one optional practice and then uh, doing that here, sorry Remo I, I am on the uh, Samsung here so I'm not sure what's going on with the audio uh, action no, so uh, all good and uh, yeah it's been interesting I mean obviously interesting start to the series us and now we will see uh, Jets basically in agreement yesterday that they played their best game of the season at least in the eyes of Rick Bonus. Brendan Dillon thought it was certainly their best defensive effort of the season. And the fact that they were able to do that against the best team in the Western Conference was impressive. Now it's a matter of sustaining that and doing it uh, multiple times. We know Vegas will be much better in game two. But, uh, you know, I, I think the Jets were a little bit nervous out of the gate, Huss. They handled the first period pretty well. I uh, thought they had some puck management issues early. They coughed up a couple of uh, the old pizza to mention the Claude Noel term, Brett Howden had an unbelievable chance early. The Oak Bank product was robbed by Connor Hellbuck, but 
overall has everything we talked about going into the series that Hellebuck would have to be superhuman. That just simply wasn't the case. He was solid. Don't get me wrong. But uh, if you or I, if you or I were betting the over under on shots on goal, uh, pretty sure we had, would have had the over for seven sixteen point five. That's for sure. Um, it really was. Uh, it really was a performance. But I'm glad you brought up that save on Howden, um, because I really do think that as as light of a workload as Hellebuck had, um, he was there for the team and really I think kind of announced his presence as the guy um, with that save and a couple of other ones that you know happened out of a really aggressive Vegas forecheck that the Jet defenders, as you mentioned, didn't handle as well. But really, outside of the first 10 minutes, Ken, that was it. I mean, you were there. How impressive in your mind was the performance of the Jet Defense Corps? And how were they able to move on and handle that Vegas forecheck that really didn't seem impactful for basically 50 of the 60 minutes after the first 10 of the game? Yeah, I definitely thought the Vegas Golden Knights came out kind of buzzing, and they were very physical. Brett Howden had a couple big hits, one on Adam Lowry, later one on Mark Shifley. Uh, you had a big hit in front of the bench, Barbashev, I think, on Menelainen. But for the most part, Vegas didn't skate well. I thought that it's, it's funny to say because we always talk about the Jets as being a high-octane team, and yes, they did score some of their goals off the rush, but I don't think that the game was played at an electric pace. And why I say that is... Vegas is known for their back pressure and their their ability to challenge and make their opponent uncomfortable all over the ice. And I didn't think that they skated overly well. Uh, we talk about the mobility of the Vegas defense core, Huss, whether that's Petrangelo or Theodore or even a Nicholas Haig. I, I didn't think that they were really activating all that often either. So there was no second wave of offense. The forecheck kind of got under control. And Huss, when you talk about the defense core, I know we always talk about the big guys. I, I thought Dylan Sandberg was absolutely outstanding in game one, not because he noticed him all over the ice, but because of the small, subtle, smart plays he was able to execute, whether that's breaking down those four checks or a nice exit pass through the middle, maybe using his legs to get out of trouble to create a lane. All of those things to me were factors in what made, I thought Dylan, Dem or Dylan Sandberg was one of the best Jets defensemen in the entire game. And that's to take nothing away from the other five who were playing. He, to me, has quite simply did not look like a guy playing in his first playoff game. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought the top pairing was steady. I thought that Neil Pionk, you know, was overall pretty good. The one or two decisions that maybe you wouldn't would like him to make another one. But it's easy to say when you're watching, when you have a guy bearing down on you at 100 miles an hour, uh, it's easy to say, why did you make that decision? But I thought that the pairing of Pionk and Dylan was excellent in the game also. Steady game overall from Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello. I uh, thought there were a couple times maybe where the Vegas forecheck was disruptive when they were out there, but they settled themselves down as the game went along, just like the rest of the Jets. And I thought that their team defense as a block of five uh, was exceptional. And, and that's what opened up a lot of the offense that we saw that led. Yes, I know it looks good for the Jets. They scored five goals. One's an empty netter. One's a garbage time power play goal. Those count, and I'm not discounting them. But this was not a 5-1 game in my estimation. The Jets definitely deserve to win and win comfortably, but this was not a four-goal kind of outcome for me in terms of how the game was played. Until Blake Wheeler scored, that game was still a pick 'em game for me, even yeah, though the Jets had the you know, held the territorial edge. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, the game was being played in the Vegas end. The Jets were the ones with the chances. Mm, the Vegas, yes. the Jets were the ones that were, you know, maintaining the play. And, I mean, the fact that they held Vegas to two shots in the third period with the game still very much in question as to which mm-hmm. way it would go was, I mean, maybe the most stunning number coming out of the game. But speaking of numbers, um, our pal Slamberg on the, uh, on the blue line along with um, Nate Schmidt like you want to talk about numbers? If you dig into some of those chances and shots for and against, it was like 96, 97% for them. I mean, I can't remember at any point um, with the exception of maybe guys that played very limited minutes and had nothing going the other way to have something so lopsided in the Jets' yeah. favor. And when you think that that is the, quote, third pairing for the Winnipeg Jets, it it really does set them up well to, uh, you know, hopefully be able to continue to do this. But... There was absolutely no stage fright on the part of uh, on the part of 54. It, all three of those guys have made debuts Huss, for the Winnipeg Jets. The youngsters, Morgan Barron, obviously we're going to get to him in a second. I also thought, Dave, as the conductor of the Gus bus, yes. uh, David played a solid game, a lot of smart. Same as thing that I said of Sandberg. Smart, subtle plays. Under pressure in the D zone. Smart little chip play to the middle to get Kevin Stenland going north. Ken, I, gotta uh, I thought tell he was you, excellent. I got to tell you, I was out <laughs> with a bunch of friends watching the game. And, you know, second and uh, second half of the first period where they were putting the pucks on that, they were getting into the blue paint. And Gus was in there a couple times. I said to the guys, I'm like, if you see a guy fall out of the press box, it might be Ken <laughs> Weeb if David Gustafson scores right here. And uh, no, you're exactly right. He really acquitted himself well. And I love that they went with Gustafson as the guy to go in. Because honestly, thinking back to that series beforehand and other games with the Vegas Golden Knights, the Jets' fourth line historically has been on the wrong end of the matchup at the depth of the uh, of oh, the yeah. forward group. And I think that Gustafson just adds an element, if no, if not in the offensive zone, in their own end of a responsible player, of a guy that you can kind of count on that will be in the right place, that will do everything he can to give his goaltender a chance to keep the puck out of the net. And, uh, and then, you know, they started to feel it a little bit as far as, you know, having the confidence to play in the other team's end and put it into those dirty areas. So uh, he was full marks for his playoff debut playing alongside. Um, what did you think of Jack Eichel's playoff debut and the problems that he had with a couple guys by the names of Adam Lowry and in particular Pierre-Luc Dubois? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't his best. And, you know, I was at the skate on Saturday here at T-Mobile and spoke in the scrum with Jack Eichel about his debut, wrote a column about it for Sportsnet.ca. I can tell you right now, he wasn't nervous. He just wasn't at his normal level. But, I mean, having said that, Huss, uh, 2029 in terms of ice time, two shots on goal and 10 attempts. So I think we would be, you know, I don't think it's accurate to say he was not involved in the game. It just, I think the Jets did an unbelievable job of knowing when Eichel was on the ice and, you know, sort of disrupting his shots. I mean, if you get 10 attempts, you've had the puck on your stick an awful, awful lot. But the fact that he wasn't able to generate as many of those chances and turn them into high danger opportunities, that goes back to telling you, you know, where things are at with the Jets. And I mean, they changed their lines pretty quickly and Stevenson and Stone were with Eichel and you know, we know Mark Stone has had an incredible journey back from his second back surgery, but let's not pretend that Mark Stone is operating at 100%. For all of the folks that said Mark Stone has had his feet kicked up and could have played a month ago, 
like they're getting a full on wake up because yeah. that's simply not the case. And I watched Mark Stone on Saturday here. I watched him on Sunday in an optional skate. Uh, Mark is working to get his conditioning up, which is normal for anyone who has missed as much time as he had. So the fact that Mark Stone is playing at all is a testament to his will and to modern medicine. But do I think Mark Stone is going to have a better game than he had in game one where he had no shots on goal and two attempts? Absolutely, I do. Uh, am I surprised he played almost 22 minutes? Absolutely. But that tells you how important and valuable he is to the Vegas School of the Knights Hockey Club. So, um, you know, I expect Eichel to be better in this game. They need him to be better. And uh, apologies that they're doing the uh, pregame show here, Huss. <laughs> no problem. You sound good. We got you got that pro K and R mic, man. Everything's okay. sounding good. We'll okay, catch perfect. Up, catch a little bit. Remus has some very high tech noise suppression as well. So as long as you can hear us, yes, we, the CTO, uh, we will get the CTO it. is working hard. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I thought a big part of I thought a big part of um, you know Eichel's issues was not as much him not oh. bringing it or anything like that. I think that a, a big big part of it was what the Winnipeg Jets were doing. And, you know, I, I tweeted this out afterwards, seeing Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam Lowry yeah. together. Those two dudes were absolute monsters. Um, and Dubois in particular, really sort of announcing that playoff PLD was back very early in that second period. And to me, he took it over early on with the pass to uh, to Kyle Connor after really just sort of pushing Jack Eichel off like he didn't matter. And then... Yeah. Putting the putting the uh, the burners on when that uh, puck came into the open ice and scoring. I mean, I don't even know where you want to start, Dubois or Lowry. But your thoughts on uh, huge performances by both of those guys and how important they were to a Jets win? Yeah, no doubt about that, Huss. I mean, my column on, was on Pierre-Luc Dubois yesterday on the off day. I felt he was the best player on the ice for either team, uh, but not by a considerable margin because of what you just mentioned about Adam Lowry and. Again, the two goals for Lowry are a bonus. What he did during the course of the game was what really mattered. Uh, his ability to keep Eichel and his line in check, his ability to uh, be at the crux of a 3-for-3 three three penalty kill, and his ability to provide some net front presence on that second power play, and win some critical faceoffs was all part of him you know, leading the Jets in ice time uh, in Game 1, which... Among forwards, sorry, uh, among the forward group. Can you just remember playing... a time when Lowry last led led it led the team in ice? I can't. In forwards, uh, no. It's usually a Dubois or Shifley or Connor for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that Lowry played great. I thought that Dubois was absolutely in beast mode. And you know, it's funny. The day before game one, uh, I had a really good talk with Pierre Luc Dubois. I know that he was said some similar things in Winnipeg before the team left here, but this was a guy. You stand around his locker and you look in his eyes, Huss, and like this is a guy who, you know, he said he, he wants to play like this all the time, and there are times when he does play like this, but he thrives under the big, the bright lights, the spotlight, the big stage, whatever you want to call it. It's where he feels he is at his best, and it is where he can impose his will. And he had a great quote to me there about how in the course of a seven-game series, you go up against the same line often, and by the end of that series, man, those guys are sick of seeing Pierre-Luc Dubois come over the boards. Uh, both Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello, I spoke with them during after practice yesterday, and they both, both use the term pain in the ass to play against. And as a defenseman, you have to A, you have to know he's on the ice, and B, you have to know that he's coming for you. 
Like he is going to impose his will physically. He's going to hang on to pucks down low. He's a beast to get to the front of the net. He's going to be involved in scrums. He's probably going to punch you in the face once or twice. Uh, you're, he's probably going to suck you into cross-checking him into the back and drawing a penalty against you. And then, as Brendan Dillon says, and then when you want to bat, and then he's going to score a goal that'll make you want to bash his head in a little bit more uh, by the end of his shift when you are an opponent. So, uh, and, and you know what? And Lowry makes the opposing center feel similarly because of his ability to to finish checks and to be in the proper defensive positioning because of his incredible awareness. So th- those two guys were the uh, you know blunt force trauma being dished out by the Winnipeg Jets in Game One. Uh, I thought that those two guys had a very impact game and it was the entire line for both of those lines Huss I thought for the Jets Mark Shifley very engaged both ends of the ice lots of back checking skated well got his shot off Kyle Connor scoring Huss I have to say this I mean and I know you feel similarly Kyle had gone through a bit of a stretch where you were wondering where his explosiveness was. What's going on here with Kyle Connor? Yes, I know he scored some goals down the stretch, but he didn't look like himself. He didn't look like the guy who explodes. Like uh, The power play chances were limited for him. Uh, that was a pure sniper goal for Kyle Connor, and I feel it was important for him, A, to get the icebreaker, and B, to kind of get himself feeling good again. And on the flip side, Mason Appleton, outstanding in game one. And I know some folks are like, oh, how does he not score in the open net? Huss, take a look at the replay. The puck was below the goal line, and everyone basically attacked him before he could get the puck above the goal line to stuff it in. So to me, that's not a missed open net. That's a puck that's below the red line and a you know sea of humanity that ended up with a ridiculous... Uh, you know, skate cut for Morgan Barron. And Huss, we just talked with Morgan Barron now. Uh, his phone was blowing up. I mean, he had over, I think the he said over, cage bear. over 200 text messages. And he was so thankful for the people in his community that orbit, whether it's the hockey orbit, friends and family, and all of those things. I know there was a lot of, you know, chirping going on. Brendan Dillon saying he's going to have to switch from, you know, modeling the Hugo boss to becoming a, a hand model like Costanza uh, in the Seinfeld series there. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, very fortunate that it's a happy ending kind of scenario. And Morgan even saying his mom is a nurse, so he's getting all these tips on how to keep the swelling down. Um, you know, the, the the lines have been flying. The Adam Lowry saying he looked like he got attacked by a shark. Uh, Morgan today saying, you know, some people said the swelling looks really good, and others think he looks like a science project. Like the quotes have been <laughs> the quotes are absolutely flowing here, us. But ultimately, at the end of the day, lucky for Morgan Barron. This is we talk about this all the time. Mentality of a hockey player. When he was asked about what he was thinking after the game, uh, as the play was unfolding, all he cared about was wanting to know if the puck went in the net, and that quickly changed to, "Oh my God, I hope I can see out of my right eye because there's a skate impaled in it." I mean, it's the scary stuff here. I know we can joke about it now to a degree because he's okay, but man, it, it, it was a scary situation for sure. And the beauty of technology has, so when he's getting stitched up, he can let his parents know that he's going to be all right because there must be nothing worse as a parent than to be looking and see your son leave the ice in a trail of blood. Like, look at that, look at that visual right there, Huss. It's unbelievable here. I mean, um, yeah, I just, I mean, it's the ability to be able to text your you know, girlfriend and parents to say you're going to be all right. I mean, uh, you know, good on them. That allows them to breathe a breath of fresh air and to be a little bit, uh, 
Elliot, just absolutely bananas how that whole play happened. And then the funniest part of the whole thing is LB picking it up with his blocker and like throwing the puck down in the middle of the circle because all of us in the press box are like, that's got to be, that's got to be in. They're going to review it. And all of a sudden LB comes out with it and like he throws it down like he had a slam dunk. It was uh, a Gronk spike. It was definitely a Gronk spike there. That was, uh, that was definitely interesting, Huss. There's no doubt about that. Um, and it, but Barron was unbelievable. And never mind the fact that he came back from a ridiculous injury. Morgan Barron was an excellent player in the game. And, you know, we're all talking about this warrior-like performance of coming back. A physical force, Huss. Five hits on his team. Only Brendan Dillon and Pierre-Luc Dubois had, had more. They had eight. So I thought he was great on that line. He was really using his feet. And like we've talked about so much, Huss, Barron didn't, deserve to be demoted off the third line when he got bumped to the fourth line. It was just a scenario where because of the players brought in, in Nino Niederreiter and Vladislav Nemesnikov, that it just made sense to move Baron down because he's the least experienced of the bunch. It wasn't because he was playing poorly because Morgan Barron's played some of his best hockey here. And I've told you this before. I expect Morgan Barron to come up with a game winner for the Jets down the stretch. This is a blossoming power forward, and it's another layer to the trade of, for Andrew Kopp that is paying major dividends. Another one of those players, Brad Lambert, as you know us, yeah, just coming off a ridiculous does. series for the Seattle Thunderbirds. So, uh, Didn't know. he have a half a dozen points in one game? A goal yeah, and five assists? Yeah, just unbelievable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard that's decent. So, and, and that's also just a nice another reminder for the people that were all up in arms about him being sent to the Western League. The reason Brad Lambert is in the Western League is to dominate Huss, to get his offensive confidence. We know he doesn't lack personal confidence, but this is a guy who is an offensive wizard who hasn't been able to light the lamp at the professional level during the last two years. So you send him to play with his peers, it didn't go well at the World Junior. You put him in the Western League and you watch him take a run at a Western Hockey League championship and a chance to play it potentially in the Memorial Cup. Depends on what happens uh, you know, with that other series that is happening in Winnipeg uh, involving the Winnipeg Ice, which took an incredible turn for yeah. uh, the home the home side with an overtime win in Moose Jaw in Game 4. Well, I was going to get to that a little later on. We should mention that right now for folks. And there's a couple people wondering. Yeah, a power play goal in OT by uh, Zach Stavchuk in uh, the Ice Avoid going down 3-1. The series comes back to Winnipeg. And Saturday night is going to be, uh, Saturday in general, be one of the great hockey days we've had in this city in a long, long time. Jets and Golden Knights, 3 p.m. And if you want to double dip, there still are a few tickets available for the Ice Cave, 7.30, Moose Jaw and Winnipeg in a pivotal Game 5. Um, Ken, We've talked about Morgan Barron moving up. I mean, we'll get to this Ehlers situation in a minute and your thoughts on, you know, what the latest is on him. But yep. you mentioned Nito Niederreiter. And I, I mean, listen, I love Nito Niederreiter playing on that line. He does so many of the things that Barron can do as well, play physically. He's a veteran player that has been through and scored some big goals before. And he, at this point, he's got an offensive pop that Barron hasn't yet shown. I mean, the guy scores 20-25 every single year, year in, year out. Um, but with the absence of Nikolai Ehlers, I was really wondering what the Jets would be able to get out of that second line. And uh, I thought Wheeler stepped up in the second half of the game, obviously scored that goal, was impactful. But man... Nemetsnikov and Niederreiter, I talked about this with Murat a little bit uh, earlier, but 
I do wonder where this team would be without Nito Niederreiter and Vlad Nemetsnikov. And to be honest, it might not be playing hockey right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a fair assumption. I mean, we don't like to make assumptions in our business, Huss, but uh, I would say even just focusing on what they have brought to the table is uh, absolutely outstanding. Uh, they brought elements that are not overly abundant among their forward group, Huss. That is accurate. Uh, they spend a lot of time around the blue paint. Uh, they have some offensive capabilities, and uh, they've just been perfect fits here. These are two not low-maintenance people, Huss. These are no-maintenance players. As a coach, you know exactly what you're going to get from them every single shift, every single game, you know, every time out. So that's helped the Jets. It's helped some of the other players that they play with elevate their respective games. When they play together, they can be a force. And Blake Wheeler was very good in game one. Blake Wheeler was probably better than very good. Goal and two assists. Who cares that one of the assists came on an empty net? That's what they needed from him. Am I back? Uh, Yeah, you're back. We can hear you. It was just a little delay on the video. Internet crash. Uh, Wheeler was excellent in the game. Uh, He needs to keep it up for this entire time, of course. They They don't need Blake to be the primary point producer. Just do a good job on that line. Uh, and that's what he did in game one. I thought his legs were moving well. And when Blake's legs are moving well, he's an effective player, Huss. And uh, I thought he was involved in the back check, on the four check, physically, all of those things. And guess what? Rick Bonus was able to reduce the minutes for Blake Wheeler, 12-27 in the game, 19 shifts. So that, again, Rick tells you about the shifts. That's something he re- reiterated in his scrum yesterday. Don't necessarily look at the ice time because Blake Wheeler is smart. He knows what's in the tank. He took 19 shifts. The average shift length was 39 seconds. That's called knowing what is best for you. Because if you get caught on the ice for a minute 10, as it, you know, whether you're 19 or 36, not great for your kidding us. So smart job on that front. And I thought he was very effective. Um, domestic cough, very good in terms of healers. Huss, I watched him yesterday in practice. He's flying around. It's, it's got nothing to do with his legs, and we know this. Rick Bonus kind of let the cat out of the bag, whether it was intentional or not. They're scared about him. Not scared. They were would be concerned about him taking a big hit. So there must have been something that came up on the MRI or whatever magnetic you know, visuals were taken on the medical side of things. Whether it's a shoulder or collarbone, I have no idea. It's the time of year where no one's going to tell you anything. What we know is Nikolai Ehlers got rocked by Ryan Hartman when he was not expecting to be hit. So could it be anything? Could it be his ribs? Sure. No matter what it is, Ehlers is flying around here. So to me, Rick Bonus made it clear after the game there was no setback, but there was no real progression when it came to his healing. So what difference will that make over 48 hours or can he play in game three? Sure, but we don't know what it's going to take for him to get that final check mark or that green check mark to move along to be in the lineup. I don't expect him to play today, no matter what gamesmanship Rick Bonus was using today, saying he was a game time decision. Uh, we're doing our best here, Huss, tugging on the pant leg like the annoying, you know, animal wants to take a note for a walk. Mike McIntyre followed up saying, "Could he be? Will he be in the warm-up? Game time decision. Nice try, though. You know, uh, we saw him yesterday as a placeholder for Morgan Barron. If Nick Lailers would play, do I expect him to play with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton? Absolutely not. So, 
He was not working with either power play unit Hus. To me, that's a sign that he is not in the lineup for tonight. But I would have bet a you know a significant portion in game one. In game two, I would not bet any anything on him being in the lineup. And for game three, it's a total question mark because a the team will pre- will will travel Friday, and there's no morning skate Saturday, so we're not going to know anything until about two thirty p.m. on Saturday at the earliest about when Nikolai Ehlers may or may not be available to play. The Jets miss him, obviously. Winning game one gives them a little bit of breathing room, technically, yes. I don't think that they were wait. They're they're not waiting because they won a game. They're waiting for him to be medically cleared fully so that he can get back to as close to 100 percent as possible before they insert him into the lineup. Hey, by the way, pushing 700 in the chat right now. If you're new here, welcome. Hit that red subscribe button and uh, give a thumbs up and make sure to check out Ken, our guest, and Sean Reynolds on Kenny and Rennie after a legal curve tonight over at the Kenny and Rennie post-game uh, show for all of their content. Um, Ken, just speaking of injuries real quick, I'm interested in your perspective on this. Uh, we've seen Cole Perfetti with the team. He's skating. He's still in the non-contact jersey. Um, uh, what are you hearing about when he might be available? But I guess the crux of this question is, even if he was good to go right now, is there a spot in the lineup for Cole Perfetti right now for playoff hockey, the way the Jets are playing and the way currently constructed? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing with Cole. I mean, Cole is moving around pretty well, I would say. He took an accidental bump from Dylan DeMello the other day in the skate. Uh, That caused him quite a bit of discomfort. He basically didn't do anything for the remainder of the practice. He was back kind of moving around fully yesterday. Um, You know, whether this, I I don't think it's just a matter of pain tolerance here. I think he's got to get his conditioning up before he would be a consideration. Rick Bonus saying, I think it was two days ago, Huss, that it was another 10 to 14 day scenario. Uh, You know, that's kind of a rough estimate because it was 10 to 14 days about a week and a half ago. Uh, Do I, I don't expect him back before the first round in terms of, you know, people are asking all the time and I get it. Huss, this is my best way that I can answer this question. When the Jets are fully healthy, I think Cole Perfetti is in their lineup. Would I say who, I can't speculate who would come out if Cole Perfetti becomes ready to play if there is a round two for the Winnipeg Jets because I don't know which players will be available at that time. If all players were healthy, where would I put them? That's a great question. It will all depend on how you want to construct your four lines. Do I think Cole Perfetti will go on a line with Lowry and Appleton on the checking line to play against the opposition's top line? No. That's not to say he can't like, do it. Can he play in the bottom six, I guess, is the question. Sure he can. I mean, he could he play? Like, does he fit there better than the guys they the have there right now then, but... that are? Or sorry, you just, you just cut out there for a sec there, Kenny. I was just going to say that, you know, for, I mean, we know what Perfetti brings to the table, a very skilled offensive player, which is, you know, that's where you want your guys in the top six. There's a guy, I mean, you know, you've added Nemetsnikov, you've added Niederreiter. Um, I'm just not sure. I mean, like, when I look at it right now, I mean, I'm not sure he's a better fit for a spot in either the third or the fourth line, and I'm not sure there's room in the top six right now, even if he was ready to go, considering what the guys are doing that are in the lineup right now. Yeah, no, no, Huss, I know what you're saying. All I'm saying is that the, the, the versatility within the lineup would allow you to make room depending on the circumstances, right? We already know Nino Niederreiter can play on the third line. So that's an easy way to create an opportunity in the top six. But if Ehlers is in there, now you're complicating matters. And, you know, depending on how things evolve, 
how long is Shifley staying on the wing? Is this permanent? We we don't know this. Before the series could be over, maybe Nemestikov is on the wing, and you know he's on the checking line, and now there's a top six position available there, but there's only one. So now you'd have to move Niederreiter down also. That would be your way to do it. But it all is about what Rick Bonus is valuing with his roster. I know there's been a lot of you know, uproar on social media about Saku Menelainen, who I thought was very good in game one. Very physical, very engaged, did a great job on the penalty kill. So if at some point the Jets value a second power play position over a second penalty kill position, then you could see Cole Perfetti come into the lineup for someone like Menelainen or Gustafson. You know, Stenland's obviously dealing with the lower body issue. Does that mean... How long can he play? I, I don't know. Does Gustafson move to center? I mean, I, I put it this way, Huss. Oh, man, we got some good good blasts going here. Feel the funk. Feel the funk. Oh, Ken. yeah. No, no, it, it's good. I love this barn. I, I thought we'd get some ambient sound. I just didn't know it would be this much ambient sound. Uh, it just the, the biggest thing, Huss, is we don't know when the next injury will hit. So I, I'm not trying to punt on the question. Do I think Cole Perfetti can help the Jets? Absolutely, yes. But let's not forget how much time he's missed. That's a lot of time to ask anyone, especially someone who's never played a Stanley Cup playoff game before. But, you know, hey, this is how I look at it. In 2011, Tyler Sagan played zero games in round one for the Boston Bruins. He played he played a considerable role before the playoffs were over. So could that be Cole Perfetti this year? Absolutely. But we don't know, does that mean a Nathan Horton has to get, you know, knocked out of a series against Vancouver or does something else open up beforehand? No, it's a great, uh, it's a great question. Now, listen, with this beautiful musical backdrop, we can uh, finish this off. Just last one for you on the way out, Ken. We focused in on what the Jets did and what they're going to try to do. Um, what did you hear from Vegas and what do you expect in a uh, game two performance from the Vegas Golden Knights who weren't too pleased with the way game one went? No, I the thing that's a little bit tough. Yeah, I spent some time around Vegas on the weekend, but because they're practicing out in Summerlin, we don't have the opportunity to see both coaches on the podium or whatever. So, you know, I've been watching. I saw what Bruce Cassidy had to say. The Vegas is going to come out of the tunnel here if we keep this up. Uh, <laughs> it's going to feel like game time. Bruce thought it was a learning experience. And here's the other part about Vegas. Us. I understand people are jazzed, and they should be. The Jets played great. But the cautionary tale, look no further than 2018. The Jets were dominant in game one. In 2018, they didn't sniff the rest of the series. And I'm not saying that's going to happen this time. But for those people punching their Stanley Cup final ticket based on one good game, just take a deep breath here. Vegas will be much better. Do I think the Jets can play better? Absolutely. And if I'm a Jets fan, or if I'm a Vegas Golden Knights fan, the thing that would concern me, no matter what adjustments they make, is Connor Hellebuck is going to steal a game or two in this series, and he didn't have to steal one in game one. So I would think that we saw Connor was very sharp. I think he'll be incredibly sharp. And the Jets kind of know in a situation like this, if they can go up to nothing, now all of a sudden there are question marks. When does Bruce Cassidy go to Jonathan Quick? Does he consider Aiden Hill? I mean, is Logan Thompson going to be skating soon? This is take nothing away from LB. I didn't think he let in any bad goals in game one. You Could you say the Wheeler goal wasn't great? There were, some, there were huge bodies in front of him. 
I don't blame him at all for that goal. The two shots by Connor and Dubois are bar down. Du- Bersois was fine, but people sometimes get nervous when they go down 0-2. So for me, this is a big opportunity for the Jets. Do I expect Vegas to be better? Yes. For Vegas to be better, they'll have to be disruptive on the forecheck, and they'll have to get their offensive game going. They'll need sustained offensive zone time, and I think they'll need their second wave of defensemen to get involved in the rush. For the Jets, very similar game plan, but they're going to have to be a little bit more ten- intense. Rick Bonus has said it the last couple of games. Josh Morris, he said it too. Each game in a playoff series gets harder to win in that race to four, so the Jets will have to find another level here uh, this evening as well. Kenny, great stuff. You, you battled through it like Morgan Barron. What a what a performance. Um, listen, uh, really enjoyed the post game as I think uh, any Jet fan would have after a Tuesday night. It was uh, banging in there. I know you guys will be doing a little K and R after dark tonight, so we'll look forward to that and uh, look forward to seeing you back in the peg for what should be an electric atmosphere Saturday afternoon, regardless of what happens tonight. But uh, tell you what. Wouldn't mind to see a team up 2-0 and coming back to Winnipeg. But uh, 9 o'clock puck drop tonight. You'll have to wait a couple hours. Enjoy Sin City. You're missing out on 20 centimeters of snow. <laughs> Nobody cares, though. Nobody cares after that game one win. It's all good. Uh, we'll see you I'll back here. It. Thanks for doing this. And uh, looking forward to checking out tonight's show uh, after the final buzzer. Right on, Huss. Thanks for having me. Uh, as you know, the engagement levels have been incredible with all of our shows in the last stretch here. We thank you fans and folks lists for that. It's just been a real treat to be involved, to have this engagement and for the communities we're creating. Uh, we thank you very much. And Huss, as always, I love chatting with you. I uh, love uh, chopping it up and look forward to the remainder of this series and see where it takes everything. You got it. And of course, uh, check out all of Ken's work at sportsnet.ca as well. Banging out story after story on this series in the Winnipeg Jets. Have a good one. Say hi to Ren. We'll uh, talk to you soon, pal. Right on, Huss. Have a great day, my man. Thanks again for having me. Link to Kenny and Rennie's in the description of this video right now. So if you haven't subscribed already, jump on that and uh, check out the fellas after Illegal Curve a little bit later on today. All right. Um, Hey, actually, after the show, uh, if you're uh, in the neighborhood, pop down and uh, join us at Consolidated Supply. They're doing their big grand opening today. Didn't get particularly great weather for it as we get ready for golf season, but they're going to have some refreshments, food trucks there, some raffle prizes. Going to be heading down there to 1395 Niagara Road East after the show. So if you want to come by and uh, say hi to the fellas and us, we'll look forward to seeing you there. <clears throat> of course, Consolidated Supplies, the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, <clears throat> new and used golf carts as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. And also have other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options and small engine uh, parts and repair. Come down and see them at the showroom today. 2 to 8 p.m. is the grand opening. It's open to the public. All are welcome. 1395 Niagara Road East. And you can find out more on Consolidated Supply online at cte.ca. A huge thanks to our great sponsors over at Princess Auto. Had a great week in Toronto at the Princess Auto Players Championship. Talking to my friends at Princess Auto, very excited for uh, what they've got going on for bomber season coming up, including, of course, the Princess Auto tailgate zone before all games. Uh, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. 
and you can shop online 24 7 365 at princessauto.com i have to laugh we're showing the snow blowing clip of princess auto was hoping we could sort of transition to the more summer content of princess auto but apparently not for uh for the next little bit um are you ready for tonight and more importantly saturday and monday do you have your whites ready <clears throat> well if you don't you need to get down and see the fellas at royal sports manitoba's number one sports superstore with the biggest and best selection of licensed team gear featuring the Jets, Bombers, NHL, NFL, tons of new MLB and Jays gear just in time for the start of the season. The uh, the whiteout gear is taken over, though. They've got the uh, white road jerseys. They've got the white heritage jerseys and the white retro reverse jerseys. Maya retro reverse is 1-0 in the playoffs. I'll be sporting that again tonight. Um, so if you need your whites, you need to update your uh, white wardrobe for the whiteout. Get on down there. There's the example. Tons of white hats as well. It's all there at Winnipeg's number one sports superstore, Royal Sports. There at 750 Pemina Highway. And I know it doesn't seem like spring right now, but spring stocks arriving daily as well with soccer, baseball, football, tennis equipment, and a huge selection of bikes. And hey, where are you going for the game tonight? You're going to get out. I know it's a little late, but uh, hey, it's Thursday night. Tomorrow's Friday. It's playoff fever around this town. Get on down with your crew at your local Boston Pizza, your official whiteout headquarters. I actually had BP last night. I tried that new triple play appetizer platter with the cactus cuts, my personal favorite, the Thai chicken bites, and the cheesy bandera bread. Um, they've also got the new dill pickle spears. And the winged ribs. I think I might have to try those tonight. Um, but they are ready for your playoff party. Pop on down. Chance to win tickets to a playoff game at Canada Life Center at Boston Pizza as well. So uh, make BP your playoff headquarters if you're not at the game. And if you're looking for a spot tonight, all Manitoba Boston Pizzas will be rocking with the big game on the big screen. With big sound and your chance to win as well. And if you're staying in... You can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Remo back in here. And uh, Remo, how about Weber just battling through the pregame festivity testing at T-Mobile Arena with uh, a great hit, as he always brings us here, and a real fun chat with Drew Mendel. And I know Drew and the IC guys are going to be locked and loaded right after the game to give Jet fans their fix with uh, everything coming out of Game 2 tonight. Yeah, Ken doing such a great job joining us from T-Mobile Arena where they started testing the pregame show, which we're all excited for, we know, and then blasting Gwen Stefani. I did have to ride like, some noise suppression and other filters. I did have to ride the levels, turn it up a little, but also took it completely off so you could hear the music uh, blasting. I know people in the chat did enjoy, maybe not as much on the podcast. It was kind of funny. Kenny battling some internet gremlins during the show as well when you're in a big arena although you think hey t-mobile arena come on you gotta have more consistent wi-fi it was going from green to red but mo for most part uh pretty good so i i mean i think thought it added a lot gave it that vegas uh vegas vibe <laughs> and no podcast listeners he was not on the vegas strip during that part he was he was in the arena ken weeb live from coyote ugly joining us on uh, winnipeg sports talk no in fact that was the arena uh, and it should be rocking at the start of the game 
We'll see if the Jets can take the crowd out of the game and send everybody not wearing white home disappointed again like they did in game number two. Um, Let's get to some audio, though, because we wanted to hear from both the Vegas and the Winnipeg side of things. Um, Remo, do we want to maybe just start with this latest bit from Bones with today's injury injury update, update. Barron and Sandberg, and then we can get to uh, what Bruce Cassidy had to say? Yeah, so Ken, so uh, during, I think you were talking to Drew, um, Rick Bonus did speak to the media that showed to the Jets who've been streaming those live on game days while on the road. They're doing a great job at their YouTube channel as well. So yeah, he talked about um, the injury update. They asked him about Nikolai Ehlers because some of the questions are hard to hear. And he talked about Morgan Barron's availability. So I'm just getting that ready, Huss, so everyone can hear. But, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll fire this up, and uh, I mean, uh, we've got some of the uh, the Jets who have you know, spoken in the last twenty four hours, as well as Bruce Cassidy. But these first few clips are, as Michael Remus said, within the last hour, post morning skate for the Winnipeg Jets, and we started off with um, you know Ken and the, the rest of the media that are boots on the ground there in Vegas, asking about Nikolai Ehlers and. Um, Morgan Barron and a general injury update for the club going into tonight's game two. It was an optional skate, so he took the option, and he is a game-time decision. Sorry, that was Ehlers, who was the game-time decision there. Uh, Didn't didn't skate. Expect that he'd at least take the warm-up? Game-time decision. (laughs) You keep pushing. No. I'll bite one day, probably. Would, would any of the other guys that weren't on the ice today be game-time decisions? Or you no, anyone that wasn't out there were expected to play. Yeah. What concern, if any, is there regarding Morgan's status uh, relative to him playing? Well, he uh, spoke with him this morning, and he got through yesterday okay. We were concerned the swelling would increase yesterday, but it didn't, and he's fine out there this morning. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see how he is tonight. We'll have extra guys out there and warm up anyways. And uh, at this point, we're planning on Morgan playing. Okay, so he's not a game-time decision. It sounds like he is. Well, at this point, he's playing. If uh, he shows up here tonight and uh, there was a reaction to his workout this morning, then we'll have to make that decision at that point. But as we speak, we fully expect him to play. Yeah, so there's a bonus with the injury update. Ehlers, game-time decision. Uh, as we just spoke with Ken, do not expect him to play tonight. Um, but I also expect Morgan Bear, the full-cage bear, to be out there channeling a little bit of his uh, career over at Cornell in the NCAA, wearing the full bucket with the full cage and doing what he can do alongside Adam Lowry, back on that Lowry line. And, um, you know, I think we knew that he would be bringing it for the playoffs, but I think, you know, taking advantage of the absence of Ehlers, getting a chance to play back with Appleton and, and Lowry, who he played with so much this season, certainly made the most of it and did everything he could to get back into the lineup after... 75 plus stitches in his head after the incident in the first period. Um, Bones talked a little bit more about Morgan Perrin and what had happened and what he brings to the club. 
talk about all in, man, that's all in. When you're laying there for that long to get stitched up like that and uh, and you come back up with a cage on and you don't even hesitate to get back on the ice and you don't even hesitate to go through and run over somebody, which you did in the corner on his first shift, man, that, that, that's all in. And uh, We showed a clip this morning of him when he played in Cornell and he, they wore those cages in college, right? So anyway, he's used to the cage. I don't think anyone's used to playing with the, the, what he... he you know, the, the cut that he received the other night. So, um, you, you know, we take a lot of pride. Athletes take a lot of pride in their ability to overcome injuries. But hockey players are really good at that. And you see guys freezing hands and ankles and elbows and everything else just to play in the playoffs. Um, and Morgan was completely intent. He wasn't. He missed as many shifts as he wanted to miss, so I give him full marks. But that, that ranks near the top. All right, so there is Morgan, a uh, barren status and uh just a little bit more on Baron from Rick Bonus, and we'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute. But just as Rick Bonus was speaking there, I pulled this up. I'm kind of with Ken. I think that I think Morgan Barron's going to score one of these days. I don't necessarily need to be the game winner, but I am looking at Morgan Barron at plus six forty tonight for a goal. Might be worth a little sprinkle if uh, if you. Uh, if you like to participate that way. One more from Bones coming out of the uh, morning skate today. And it's a topic we've talked about. Murata Tesh singled out Dylan Slamberg after his performance in game one in his playoff debut. And um, Bonus expanded a little bit more on the poise he saw from uh, from Slamberg in uh, his uh, playoff debut Tuesday night. As you all know, the defense... Playing in this league as a defenseman, you have a lot to learn. So there was a couple of games he made some mistakes and you give him a break and then you throw him right back in. And you, They're playing, you've got to continue to, Scotty's done a great job with them and you've got to continue to show confidence in them. Uh, they're going to make mistakes and uh, if you penalize every mistake they make, they're not going to grow. Uh, you've got to encourage them to keep playing and if they make mistakes, mistakes, but then you have to keep playing them to show the confidence in them and that, that helps them grow. We know they're going to be they're going to be far more aggressive on their forecheck. So we, we we spoke about that this morning. Uh, it's it's about us getting in their way and slowing them up a little bit and not overhandling the puck. Get the thing moving. Don't don't stop in the corner. Don't stop behind the net. Let's just keep the puck moving. But in order to do that, you need everyone back to help so he can make those quick easy plays. But we don't want to uh, we don't want to spend any unexpe- un- unnecessary time in our zone. All right, so there's uh, Bones on uh, on Slamberg. What a what a game he had, you know, Reem. Uh, one play that you know we talked a lot about his ability to get the puck out and just the poise that he played uh, played with. But there was one play, and I can't remember whether this was in the second period or the third period. But the game was still close. I'm not sure what had happened, how the puck got behind him, but. If you recall, he went all out, hit his stick forward, didn't take a penalty, and managed to get the puck off of the puck carrier to stop what would have been a scoring chance for the Vegas Golden Knights. And it was just a perfect example of a young man doing everything he can to help his team win a hockey game. And uh, as we've heard from the chat and we've heard from the media there, hard to be more impressed with uh, what uh, what Dylan was able to do in uh, his first playoff game for the Winnipeg Jets. Hey, when he came in on the plane, the Jets posted the video where he shaved a mullet. I knew this guy was playoff ready. 
<laughs> Nothing was going to stop him. And he had an excellent playoff debut. And as you said, he's got he's a tall guy, got that long reach, definitely used it on that play. So, look, you got if you want to play well in the playoffs, you got to, sh- you know, shave your hair on a crazy mullet or grow a beard. I think it just adds more, like, if you're in a, you know, giving video game style ratings, it just boosts your rating a bit when you're playing with a mullet in the playoffs. You saw Patrick Kane uh, do that in what 2010 playoffs, I think it was. So he, oh, he and yeah, and he had the lines in yeah. his hair as it, well. You need that. Um, you're a hockey player. You got to look the part. <laughs> um, you know, we'll uh, we'll hear from some of the more Jets in a minute, but I do want to get to Bruce Cassidy because um, while all of us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk and in the chat and um, on social media have been pretty fired up and um, really ecstatic with the way game number one went. It's a very different story in Las Vegas for a team that was favored, was playing at home, and um, you know started off the playoffs with a thud. Now, it's just one game of best of seven, and there's a lot of hockey left to be played. Um, but Bruce Cassidy talked about the game and, and basically let off with what his team needs to do to bounce back from a performance that I don't think anyone in that room liked. Well, we got to get to our game. Um, I think we got a bit away from it with our rush reads, gave up some goals. We got burnt on a line change there. We're a little late. Uh, puck management, we've talked about that all year. That needs to be better in those situations. So take care of that part of it to get back to where we are and then the adjust, you know, not the adjustment, to, but against Winnipeg, you got to get inside, uh, get some opportunities there. Hellebuck's a good goaltender, but when rebounds start happening, everyone kind of averages out. So we got to make sure we're willing to do that. And obviously our power play, give us some life. Doesn't always score, but it got to give you some momentum, got to give you some juice and the threat. And, and then obviously get the timely goal. There was a couple opportunities to do that and it didn't happen. All right, there's uh, Bruce Cassidy, who uh, first coach ever to win 50 games in back-to-back seasons with two different teams. Um, and, you know, he's a veteran coach at this point, and he also talked about uh, having his veteran locker room coming back and what he's going to be leaning on from those vets. Yeah, I think it's playoffs become about the response. Um, that's in game two from shift to shift, a goal against uh penalty kill how you know he responded a lot of different things but more game to game you know we have to be better it's that simple like there was no one area it was in our, our entire game wasn't where the level it needs to be i think to to beat playoff caliber teams last night and and you're going to lose games when it is at that level sometimes too, right? Because you get against better teams and so will the opposition. So that's the first thing we got to get rid of or get back to is, and I think our guys understand that. Like <clears throat> They should. They're, they are a veteran group. Um, been through some playoff series. So I think everybody knows it's you know, it's not won or lost after one game. you got to, you got to get better. And for, for us, it's obviously a lot better, but I, I expect we will. We're a good hockey team. team had 111 points this year, so we're not going to, I mean, we did talk about that. We're going to define ourselves by one hockey game. We didn't play well, but, you know, we got to make sure we correct it. Bruce Cassidy, the Vegas Golden Knights. And one other thing that stood out, uh, you know, early on in the game, Vegas was being very physical on their forecheck. The Jets did a great job of handling that through most of the rest of the game. And full credit to the Jet Defense Corps. Talked a lot about, you know, Sandberg and some of the others and the poise that they had and moving the puck up to open Jets and getting the puck out and then being able to lose their speed. But there was a real physical element to this game led by Pierre-Luc Dubois and Brendan Dillon. And 
Cassidy spoke about the physicality from both teams. I think that's playoff hockey. Guys were... I think you've got to be careful you don't chase hits all over the ice, but you got to not turn them down when they're there for you, and I think our guys bought into that. I had no problem with our physicality. I think early on we tried to play behind them, and we had some good looks. That The, the Brett Howden chance is a good <clears throat> example of that to me, how it seems on the road that puck has gone in for us this year. And all of a sudden you're playing with the lead. The other team maybe now at home is trying to push. And at home it hasn't gone in as much for whatever reason. That just seems to be a little bit of... Um, how things have played out and you know maybe it's different you know everyone gets going but at the end of the day you got to stay with it and I thought we did early and then we got away from it late but the physicality I thought on both sides was there when the situation dictated I don't think the game was dirty by any means I know one of their players went off an unfortunate you know I hope he's all right with the he got hit with escape I don't think that was anything malicious that was a you know pile up in front of our net other than that I thought it was a pretty clean game in terms of the physicality all right so there's uh um, Knights head coach Bruce Cassidy um, with some of his thoughts on game number one heading into game two. Um, veteran teams and, and veteran players on both sides from the series five years ago. Jonathan Marcheseau is one of those players. And um, Marcheseau had an interesting quote on uh, his team coming back from a disappointing game one. I mean, there's no message necessarily needs to be thrown. You got to know what you got to do out there. And uh, I think yesterday we didn't have uh, 20 guys and. Uh, that wanted to compete, and that it showed in our game. And I think uh, to be a good team in the playoff, you need everybody, and uh, we got to be uh, able to just uh, play in our in our game. Don't play at their level. Play at our level. We're we're one of the best team in the West for the whole year, just because we played our game. And uh, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see our group tomorrow. All right. So there's the Vegas side of things. A uh, little bit more from the uh, combatants in this series including the Jets' top defender, Josh Morrissey, who um, talked about this team's overall play in Game 1. You know, obviously both teams uh, early in the series, you know, you want to establish your game. And, um, you know, I think probably a little nerves in, in the first period but um, for both sides, but I thought we played well. Um, I kind of played to our strengths. We're a good defensive team. And, um, you know, it's it's one game, it's one win. And, uh, we know uh, it's only going to get harder as we go along here. All right, so there's uh, Josh Morrissey on the game one win. Something that was a uh, a common refrain from Winnipeg Jet players, probably because they kept on getting asked about it, was the stunning performance in game in period three where they held the Vegas Golden Knights to only two shots on net with the game on the line. Morrissey talked about uh, the defensive performance uh, top to bottom of the club and being able to limit Vegas to only two shots in the third. I think we managed the puck really well. We committed to coming back uh, uh, hard as a group of five. Um, our breakouts were pretty good and um, you know we, we ended plays pretty fast uh, in our own end. We didn't give them a ton of zone time so um, you know, we, we played well and we did a lot of good things, but as I said, uh, you know, we know that they're going to come back with a big push tomorrow and um, certainly uh, have a lot of respect for the type of team they have, have over there. So um, we're going to have to be even better at the things that we did well in, in game one. All right, Josh Morrissey uh, speaking, and, you know, we've heard that from a number of players. It was great to start off the way they did, but they know that Vegas is going to be a better team, and they're going to need to be better to uh, handle that challenge tonight. Um, a lot of talk about uh, Slamberg, Dylan Sandberg, and the performance that he had. Dylan DeMello 
was asked about um, the young Jet defenseman's debut in the playoffs and uh, how he acquitted himself on Tuesday night. He played great. Um, you know, just telling him, just treat it like another game. And um, you know, he has got such a great skill set and moves so well. So when he when he kind of trusts his feet and and relies on that, I think for him, everything else just kind of comes into place. He he played with a lot of poise and made a lot of great plays. Great breakout pass with about six minutes left. Threw some sauce through the middle that was a little risky on the bench, but uh, you know, went through it. And, and you know what? He he's such a great kid. Um, you know, he he's done a lot here to really improve his game, and work at his craft. So happy to see him help us out. All right, so there's Dylan DeMello speaking about Dylan Sandberg on his playoff debut. Uh, another Dylan, there's Dylan Sandberg, Dylan DeMello, and Brendan Dylan, who was v- a physical presence along with debut and uh, along with uh, Pierre Luc Dubois in game number one. Uh, Brendan Dylan talked about where Tuesday night ranks uh, on the season for defensive performances for the club. We say the best one of the year, I think. Um, we really, top to bottom, uh, 12 forward, 60. We were really, uh, really engaged in playing the right way, and um, we, we we saw the benefits of it. We were still able to get some some offense and create that way too. But uh, first and foremost, we we, we took uh, took away the middle of the ice, which was big. You know, it, it's not just one guy or one deep pair or forwards. It's it's all five guys being on the same page, and um, both teams have gone through so much video and had enough meetings, I'm sure, where, uh, you know, you're not surprising the other team with anything. You know what to expect. You know what um, each other's top-end players are, are going to want and the areas they're going to want, and uh, you just got to do your best to take that area away. All right, there's uh, Brandon Dillon on that, and one more. It's a good one. Uh, you know, it's a loud, raucous crowd in Vegas. They were ready to go through before the game in the first period, but man, did things change quickly in the second period when Pierre Luc Dubois set up Kyle Connor and then scored shortly thereafter to get the two nothing lead. Brendan Dillon talked about silencing the Vegas crowd. I mean, it's it's awesome coming into the other teams. I think that's one of my favorite parts of playoff hockey is just going into the other teams' buildings, getting booed on your walks in, um, you know, getting yelled at, and you know, seeing. Seeing just the, the crowd when, when you're able to score a goal, and um, it's, it's, it's just the best coming in. We're obviously looking forward to playing at home as well, but um, just for guys playing their first games yesterday too in the playoffs, just enjoy it was a big message from us. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the moments, and uh, we really did. All right, so there's Brendan Dillon. All systems go for a 9 o'clock puck drop tonight. Uh, have you made all of your plans? Do you know what you're eating? Do you know what you're drinking? If you are thinking of getting a few beers for the game, you might want to pop by Little Brown Jug because if you haven't picked up the new generic lager, it's just launched and it is delicious. Your basic lager, just better. Impressively standard in the best way. Light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect in a light beer. It's available in eight packs or by the can through the tap room or through vendors. And uh, in eight packs and by the can in the next little bit, starting in June at Manitoba Liquor Marts. Well, golf season's going to wait a little bit with this snow coming up, but it will be here soon. And there's no better place to spend the golfing season than Breezy Bend Country Club, one of Manitoba's top private clubs with a championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around on their beautiful course side patio. Great men's, ladies, and junior programs. Breezy Bend's the perfect long-term golfing home for you and your family. Find out more at breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson a call for more information about becoming a member. And when the summer comes, it will be fishing time. Aikens Lake awaits. 
My favorite few days of the summer is heading out to Aikens in what can only be described as absolute paradise, a perfect getaway for Manitoba businesses as well. If you're thinking about a company retreat or maybe a special customer excursion, no one will take better care of you than our friends out at Aikens Lake. Find out more online at akinslake.ca. And if you're a university student looking for an incredible summer job, they're still looking for a few guides and servers to ground out the Aikens team for this year. So you can fire a resume to pit at akinslake.com and find out more about that. Trust me, <laughs> you will not regret it if you're spending the summer out at Aikens. Um, all right, we... Uh, we're going to get down to Consolidated Supply at 1395 Niagara Road East coming up. Uh, should be there in about an hour or so for people that are popping by. But Remus, before we finish up this program, let's take a look at the cool bet lines for tonight. Four big games in the Stanley Cup playoffs, starting off with the Lightning and the Leafs. Lightning, a plus 141 underdog. Leafs, minus 167. I asked Drew Mandel this. What are you thinking about this game tonight? All right, my headphones unplugged. Were you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just asking. You're just mentioning the lines for the Lightning and Maple Leafs, and uh, interested in your thoughts on whether the Leafs can bounce back tonight, they or bet. whether Tampa continues doing what they did in Game Number One. They better. They're toast. Um, I don't know, man. They're they're favorites at home. They better show up because uh, you know being down two zero to the Lightning, like Leafs fans are already not feeling so hot. So. Uh, I think they have to. It was like Edmonton. Um, you knew they were going to win. I think this is going to be, you know, if you think this is going to be a seven-game series, which we all did, I'll go with Toronto. But as a favorite, I mean, it's hard to pick them as a favorite if they're a home dog. You're like, yeah, I want to jump on that. But, I mean, would, wouldn't you rather take the team that's been to the last three Stanley Cup finals, even if they're different? Now they're going to have injury, like Cernak's out, and I think Hedman's uh, game-time decision. So those are big injuries for them. But I'd still go, I think Toronto's going to pull this one up. I know. If you think the Leafs will win the series, you can get them at plus 112 right now. Tampa minus 132 after game one win. And yeah, I guess we didn't talk much about that bunting suspension. Uh, and again, I don't want to get into a big NHL player safety discussion because it's just going to make me more pissed off about Ehlers' situation and Hartman. Although Hartman didn't play last night. Probably a little bit of karma. But I was not expecting three games for that. I thought one, maybe two, Ream. But um, they actually... Somewhat through the book at Bunting, which is in stark contrast to one regular season game they gave Hartman for that cheap shot on Ehlers. Makes no sense. Yeah, like, I don't mind, like, for hitting a guy in the head, like, I don't mind three games. But, like, no one gets that harsh penalties in the NHL unless their name's Mark Shifley. So the the way that they hand these out is just so confusing to everyone. Hartman should have got more than one game if Bunting is getting three. I mean, he that was a cheap shot on a guy who didn't have the puck. Again, there we know that it doesn't make sense ever, and so like I and I'm trying not to get you don't want to get mad, but everyone saw the suspension. You're like what? Like just based on what they've done, it was too harsh. Now if that's what it's going to be going forward, then yeah, three games, sure for elbowing guy in the head and giving him a concussion, sure three games. But that's what we said after Mark Shafley got four games. Yeah. And like no one got that harsh of a suspension <laughs> since then. So. I don't know what we don't know. It's all, all confusing and, and no one can make any sense of it. Yeah, make it make sense. Good luck with that. Uh, Rangers, Devils. I kind of like the Devils to bounce back tonight. Uh, Devils are minus 131 home favorites. Rangers are plus 111. Colorado Avalanche down one nothing to the crack. And what a performance that was by Seattle. 
at the same time, the Winnipeg Jets were beaten up on the Knights in game number one. Avalanche, though, a big home favorite to bounce back. They have minus 214 odds tonight. And the Kraken, plus 180 to go up 2-0. and And uh, the Jets, and I think a big part of this is what we've seen from teams like Dallas and Edmonton last night, um, you know, coming back after tough game one losses on home ice. Jets are actually a bigger underdog tonight than they were on Tuesday. Plus 133 for Winnipeg. The Vegas Golden Knights, minus 156. And if you click on this, I'm just looking at some of the uh, the scoring odds. This is to score a goal tonight. Connor and Shifley, plus 175. Eichel, plus 195. PLD, plus 215. Uh, we move down Nito Niederreiter, plus 295. Adam Lowry, plus 340. He's just a beast these days. And as I said, I think I'm going to put a little touch on Morgan Barron at plus 640 tonight. To get it done. And the legend of Morgan Barron would only grow if he was able to do that tonight. Uh, All sorts of other props, uh, period goals, assists, player shots, penalty minutes as well. If you you think this one might be uh, a penalty-filled affair, Um, there's a Blake Wheeler. You can bet on penalty minutes? Yeah, Blake Wheeler over under 0.5 penalty minutes. So essentially to take a penalty, plus 240. Morrissey, 3-1. to to take a penalty. What? And, uh, I've never and, seen and this. here's a funny one. And I might have to take this. Like, this just seems like free money. Pierre Luc Dubois plus 120 to take a penalty. Yes. <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's would, all would you there. Be, to... But then you have to cheer for it. Be like, oh, I want Dubois to get a penalty. I guess you'd be hoping for him to get into like a scrum yeah. after a whistle where they take them both off. So you're well, not I actually would example, I would, For example, this would be the scenario uh, after Calgary scored in that Wednesday game a couple weeks ago where he went all the length of the ice and started pointing and shit-talking Markstrom. Uh, he got two minutes, but the Flames got four minutes in the resulting scrum. So anyways, lots of stuff out there. <laughs> and series prices are up on all of the series uh, and if you didn't get on the Jets as a plus 130 series underdog before it started, well, the odds have completely flipped right now. Winnipeg is minus 149 to win the series, and the Vegas Golden Knights a plus 127. So just about opposite odds from uh, from where we started after the big road win to get home ice advantage. And uh, tonight it's time to get greedy. You know what they say in Vegas, double down. The Jets look to double down and come back with two wins tonight. Nine o'clock puck drop tonight for your Winnipeg Jets. Um, that is going to do it for us. We are going to head over to Consolidated Supply at 1395 Niagara Road East. If you're in and around or out and about, pop by and say hi. We'll have some refreshments, some food uh, trucks, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the fellas there. And We'll probably just talk about the game the whole time tonight. Uh, and then, of course, six o'clock, things get going with the Leafs and Lightning. And then 9 o'clock tonight, Jets and Vegas Golden Knights. Tomorrow's going to be a massive show, win or lose. Um, but I got a feeling. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful it'll be as fired up tomorrow as it was yesterday coming off that big game one win for Winnipeg. And um, all systems go for the whiteout Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m., Monday night, 8.30 at Canada Life Center. That is going to do it for us, gang. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. We're here Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. Central. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Great to see all of you. Um, and oh, Rio, just before we go, for people that are here, 
I'm still learning about this, but uh, I'm in on the WST Discord. And Rima, why don't you just give a quick plug for that for people that might not be sure about it? Because a lot of WSTers post-show during games are gathering in the Winnipeg Sports Talk Discord to uh, have their takes and have some fun with other Jet fans while the teams are playing or outside of our showtime in the WST YouTube chat. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, Discord is just like a chat platform that's popping up a number of you know popular YouTubers, they start these communities that are on the live stream. But you know what happens when we're not on the live stream? And um, we said, hey, come to our Discord server where people can can chat. And there's channels for each uh, local sports team and league. And there's people there, you know, just who are normally in the in the live stream, but also right now talking off stream uh, while we're not streaming in the Discord server. So you know, people are talking about the Jets, uh, NHL playoffs. Uh, whatever we got there's a food channel so uh, the link to it is in the description <laughs> i'll pop it and people want more hot dog reviews uh from you but if you're looking to you know engage more with other people who have similar interests like uh oh winnipeg sports uh hop in there say hello we got already a hundred people in there uh chatting so trying to take this thing uh here to the next level and have some have some fun. So, so how do people, uh, if they haven't been before, they don't understand about it? I guess you have to download the Discord app. Uh, either you can for go. Your phone or your yeah, computer. there's an app on your on your phone or your desktop, or you can just go to the link. You don't even need to download anything, but I'll put it in. I'll put it. In, you can use a web browser as well. Perfect. So uh, there so, you go, folks. If you want to keep on the WST chat with the rest of your crew from Winnipeg Sports Talk, it's there for you at the Winnipeg Sports Talk Discord. Uh, and Remo will be popping in there. I might even pop in at some point during the game tonight. Uh, but there it is. The Discord server link is in there, right there in the chat. And we'll also throw it into the description of the show as well. That's going to do it for us. Great show today. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks to the sponsors that make our show happen every day. And all of you for making us a part of yours. Shout out to the podcast listeners as well. Join us on YouTube when you can. Hit that thumbs up, folks, on the way out. Great to see, man. Already over 300. Vibes are high. 520 in the chat on 420. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon and, of course, the night. Get a nap in if you need because it's going to be a late one. I see Kenny and Rennie afterwards. And, by the way, when you get up tomorrow... Be sure to check out our YouTube because Remus and Skylar Peters are going to bang out another post-game recap on the Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports ch uh, YouTube channel. It was a great piece last week. Skylar's awesome. Remo doing a great job making that happen. So check that out as well. Give it a thumbs up and leave a comment in the description. It's going to do it for us. If you're going to Consolidated Supply, we'll see you there, folks, and have a great night. Enjoy the game. Go Jets, go. We'll see you tomorrow for a Friday edition heading in to the return of the Whiteout Saturday afternoon at Canada Life Centre. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.